to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is the 2006 Chris Nolan Cole. I'm classic? I'm saying classic. I'm saying classic. Saying classic. For you. Okay, but classic. The Prestige. Starring, starring love it. Batman. And Wolverine. And Wolverine. And, Wolverine. and Black Widow. And uh, and Arthur. And also Michael Caine, just for the hell yes. of it. Michael Caine, because what movie doesn't have Michael Caine in it? None. Uh, before we None get started and talk about who we are, how we feel, and what we bring to the table today, not to mention... Um, uh, never mind. Uh, moving on. Go ahead and press play on your DVD. Press pause when the touchstone logo fades to black. The first frame you perceive of all black, you just press pause. I've pressed pause, and in a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause. I'll press play, you'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except, of course, with this time, it'll be with four friends in your head. And those friends today are myself, as always, Teague Christie, and my friend Brian William Finifter. Hi. Uh, Eddie Doty. Karate. And Trey, the amazing Stokes. Sup. Okay, now the prestige uh, comes from a... Uh, you know, Christopher Nolan's only made like one or two good movies in his history of making like six movies. No, he's made nothing but insanely great films. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to so say far, that. So far, so good. It's, you know, this was the year that The Illusionist came out, too. Uh-huh. It was, and which is also a good film, a very different, it's very different solid, film. Yeah. But I, I, I enjoyed I that film both. as well. This is clearly the, the breadwinner. This is clearly the big, prettier, yeah. mainstream version of The Illusionist. All Ed the, Norton's you know, good, but he can't compete with Batman and Wolverine. It was, oh, and, and uh, Paul Giamatti. And Ed Paul Norton, Giamatti apparently. is actually yeah. the real big thing with The Illusionist. Uh, he's, how, he's amazing in that. How lucky are we that we get to steampunk prestidigitation movies mysteries in the same year yeah like the- well how lucky were we in 1998 when we got two asteroid kills everything movies in the same year true not or in 1996 we got two bugs in the ground thing <laughs> the- anyway moving on uh so brian william fenifter the prestige how do you feel uh i think it's a, a certainly a masterwork by chris nola i'm not actually sure how i feel about it <laughs> we 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 can ha- we we can have this debate, but I feel kind of I felt kind of cheated by the end of the movie, and we can huh, okay. we can talk about that in terms of uh, the piece of magic you that felt it used. cheated by the prestige. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. He, he loved the turn. He loved the. He loved the. Essentially, uh, I did. So um, didn't like the prestige. Maybe you guys can convince me one way there because I've been very uh, wishy washy. I want to love this movie, but part of it kind of feels me makes me feel cheated. All right, Eddie Doty. Uh, I absolutely love this movie in my not at all complete best of the decade list. I, I have this ranking solidly in my top ten <clears throat> for a reason, I, and I do think it is Christopher Nolan's best film. Um, I love Batman. Really? I love Dark Knight. I love Dark Knight, but I, I I even love this more than Memento for a lot of reasons. I just as far as like wanting to come back to a movie like where if you see it on TV, you have to stop everything and let it play out. Uh, just because there's so much, re- it really rewards you if you are able to keep up with the filmmaker. And uh, I don't know, I just I love it. I love the story. I love the characters. I love I love how every single shot in this thing means something and it connects to something deeper and and just helps and helps like to sort of unravel these characters. It's just so so good. Speaking of keeping up with the filmmaker Trey, you were talking about that <sighs> with regards to the prestige and how Christopher Nolan he'll leave you behind. He's just going to keep. He going. will. I, 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 actually, uh, I'll, I'll, first I'll, I'll key off of Eddie's thing. That I think that I, I would agree that this is uh, for me the best Christopher Nolan film, and that's not to say. Batman sucked. That's to say that you know Batman. The Batman movies are great that he made, and but they have you know they they have Batman baggage. They're Batman movies. I mean you know if you're going to make a Batman movie, you're halfway home already because it's Batman and there's a mythology. This is a movie where he took a time period that no one knows about, or you know, te- teenagers are not fascinated by you know the 1900s <laughs> or, or, or the century. turn of the century magicians or anything or else. Tesla. He created yeah, he created this entire world of a movie and made a fascinating, twisty mystery, science fictiony you know character. Cre- 
crazy piece. character piece, yeah. and it's I think it's just fantastic. And and I'm not I'm not knocking Batman the Batman movies at all because I think they're great too. But I, of of his movies, the fact that this one was a movie from the ground up that you didn't go oh it's a Batman movie you had to learn everything along the way and how it. It presents it so so. There's so much information in this movie to, to answer your question. Finally, is that this uh, Nolan? I think, and it's true in his Batman movies too. You can see it as and Memento certainly. Um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't spoon feed you. He as, he's one of those filmmakers that says, "I'm going to make this movie and I'm going to give you the information you need, but you need to actually do your job. You do, you got to do your homework. You got to show up and you got to like, keep watching the damn movie." You know, this is a movie where a lot of people I know were in the theater were leaning over, going, "Wait, don't wait. Did, did she did she die? What happened?" <laughs> you know, this is not a movie for those kind of people. You want Fantastic Four, um, so uh, so wow. I, I think it's I think it's fantastic myself. To, and to and coin a phrase for my part. Um, not only this movie is playing to me on every possible level because I was a magician for a long time and. I was in the society of young magicians, and I compete, and, that, and I competed. By the way, that too, I, I I was in a traveling stage magic show, and that's you know the the whole presentation of you know the wor- the real world and a, and a very credible real one of really what it is to be a magician. Um, you know, which kill you, the bird. Yeah, which you don't normally we don't do that anymore. But which, uh, that's going to dovetail back into sort of Brian's dovetail. Hey, <laughs> we did it. Yeah. You uh, pulled that rabbit out of uh, a hat. Uh, no, I think that's going to dovetail into sort of Brian's criticism of it is that. Uh, the prestige being disappointed. The prestige, I mean, the, the whole idea of blood on your hands in order to sort of earn your ending and to earn uh, what it is you're trying to do. That that I think we'll talk about that later. But that, I think I think that's sort of maybe where the some of the yeah. criticism. Well, the comes way from. the way I view it is going back into the magic beans concept that we've talked about before. But we can talk about that. Yeah, as, that's as the way we get to the magic beans. Anyway, so like I said, I you know magician. I used to compete. I used to be way way into sleight of hand and, and magic. This is stage magic or parlor magic, depending on the sh- the scene. Also because. Um, Let's go ahead and just give some credit where credit's due. Alternating current, bringing mm, yep. you down in front since 2009, <laughs> Nikola Tesla. I named, we named our cat Tesla. Tesla is such the shit. And this movie is, I think, the first time a lot of people in middle America heard the name Tesla. Weirdly and, enough, and, and yeah. they're probably like, what unless, a weird character for unless you had, Unless you had Earth Science and, and the teacher brought out the Tesla coil, which is always awesome. I made, a, I made a, a Tesla coil plasma ball in... Uh, Sixth grade science yeah. fair, and it's but yeah, exploded. we can talk about that because yeah, Tesla is one of those uh, you know forgotten figures who actually has a tremendous effect on our daily lives. But right, we don't in, we don't fact, know about. Before we start the movie, pause, go to Wikipedia, and type in Tesla. Go, just yeah. do the, it. The closest thing we'll have to a actual wizard, sort of. Yeah. In our, our oh day and Jesus, age. and also crazy as crazy as, a bug. as fuck. And speaking of splitting the world in half, go ahead and get your mouse or remote ready. Three, two, one, unpause. That's a powerful mouse. Oh yeah, that's sweet. The fundamental things apply <coughs> as time goes by. All right, so the prestige refers to, as we're about to find out, although, wait, first thing we have to mention, the shot of the hats. Yes. Yes. The shot of the hats. Brilliant. You, you, you think it's your typical motion graphics fair, we need just some cool establishing shots in the beginning of the film. Right. The shot of the hats gives away the ending if you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It... it, it, it perfectly it's a great opening image in the sense that okay you get it, it, this eerie sense of what yeah. you're in for but also it's an actual plot device that will come through about two-thirds of and the it season. seems you know and, and and you don't you don't immediately key into it by saying well that means something serious i mean it's kind of like you well that's kind of interesting but you magicians you think of top hats and you go well, okay what's what's you know, what's this i'm looking at maybe here. this ha- does or doesn't have anything to do with anything you know but uh, it's like a nice little amuse bouche for your mind it it's is. like it's, it's, it's really exactly just sort of nice who's been watching top chef yeah. <laughs> And then, I, and then, I own and both then from there, saying. right into this, where the the you know immediately putting the idea. And by the way, spoilers. You know, we're going to start with spoilers right from the get go. People, um, we're assuming you know the, all the all the many twists of this movie. Right in the beginning, we're into 
there, you know, the way you do tricks is you have two identical things. That's that's how you do it. There's right. you, you have the others, and, and that's what Michael Caine says up front. He's like, well, he's clearly got a twin. Or he's got yeah, a double, exactly. and, and he's like, no, he can't have a double. It's like, yeah, trust me, Michael he, has, Michael he has a double. Michael Caine explains the movie in the first two seconds, and even the, there's a scene with the kid coming up. You know, we'll jump ahead. The kid coming up where the kid goes, where's his brother? You know, it's like it's like every clue is in the movie for you. Well, that's. Uh, I'm a big fan of Penn and Teller. I used to have the Cool Tricks for Dear Friends tapes and all oh, that stuff. Oh, those are great. Major, major fan of Penn and Teller. And Penn was talking on his radio show once about how um, the, the, the strength of a magic show and a magician is not the it's not the imagination of the trick. Guess what? The easiest way you can think of to do that trick is the way they do it. And you think to yourself, no, that would take years of practice yeah. to get right. It's all the right. presentation. That's what they're doing. Exactly. And that's why they said any trick, uh, he always rates a trick based on how what, what the... How crazy you have to be to try to get good at it? Yeah, and you know, we we would be sort of remiss. I mean, at this point, we, you know, Nolan sort of made his name. He kind of burst onto the stage with Insom- with uh, not Insomnia, Jesus, with uh, Memento, and then Insomnia, and then you, and even with Batman Begins to a degree, he sort of kind of goes out of order. He jumps around in time and all this other stuff. That sort of became uh, people kind of derided it as almost a gimmick, uh, which it certainly wasn't. He has certainly a reason for doing it. But also people said, oh, it's really good editing that they go out of time. It's like, no, that's good writing. They write it that way. It's not like the editor decides to do this. Well, it can be a little both. I mean, you, yeah. movies movies, and te- even television episodes get restructured oh, editing the, right. all the time. But yeah, uh, yeah usually usually the at least the idea is there. Yeah, right? it, I, It's good planning is what yeah, it is. Whether that yeah. planning comes in the editing or the writing stage, hopefully yeah. it comes in. For, exa- for example, here we're obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're really, he's, he's putting together that's, this is a scene from the scene of Kane and the little girl is the end of the movie. It's the end of the movie. It's, it's the end it's, of the it's timeline. It's 10 seconds before the movie ends is that right. scene. Um, this, uh, of course, drowning, Andrew drowning is the, you know, the, the third, third act turning point of the yep. movie. Um, and in a second, we're going to actually start the movie. You yeah. Know, once we flash out of all this and flash all the way back to the real beginning. But the way the narration is structured, it, the, the, the narration sort of unifies all of those elements and sort of, yeah, it's a, it, that's a good example of good narration and not narration as a narrative crutch. Mm. And revealing the right piece of, informa- of information at the right time. Yeah. It, I mean, this movie, when I saw this, I'm like, wow, this movie is smarter than I will ever be. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. That's, and and, and I, that's a, I, we're all fairly intelligent people, I yeah. like to think. And it, that's, a rare, that's a rare idea. It's a rare thing for me to go, this movie's got me outfoxed. I can, <laughs> I, I can I, both. I like that. I can both add and subtract, and this way beats that. Well, let me ask you guys all this as intelligent film watchers. Are you ever? Are you the kind of guys that watch a movie and try to? Are you you're not only with it, but trying to think ahead? Or are you just taking the movie as it comes? I actively try not to. Honestly, I try to just let the movie take me wherever it goes. Sometimes it happens, and then when it does, when I do manage to figure it out without even trying, I that's when you totally lose me. Brian, a picture of willful ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there he is in the gallery. I, 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 I did it. It's just sort of one of those things with a bad movie. It just sort of vomits up in your brain, and then it's like, oh, well, it's this. If it's a bad movie. If it's a good movie, then it's like, ooh, I wonder if it's this. Yeah. Uh, whereas if it's a bad movie and they, they telegraph it, then it's kind of like, oh, he did it for that reason. Well, it's, 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 a, tricky, it's a tricky dance to walk because the movie is – and another movie that we, we talked about maybe doing today, which we haven't done yet, um, which, I, which I would say is similar, is Shawshank Redemption, actually, Ooh. and I'll connect those dots for you, is that the movie itself is telling you what it hopes, and uh, in this case is, and Shawshank also is, an entertaining story, and then only at the very end do you realize, in retrospect, the other story that was being told to you that you didn't realize was being told. It has uh, to be, as William Goldman says, it has to be uh, surprising but inevitable yeah. at the same time. But it's, but, but, it's in- but it's different in the case of this movie, this movie has a little easier your time of it. I'm pretty impressed when we get to Shawshank. We'll talk about maybe it there. Um, 
I'm pretty impressed with how Shawshank manages to be to hold your attention, even though it never tells you what it's really about until the last 20 minutes of the movie. You don't know what it is. You know the, all the suspense that the movie could have had, it throws away by not telling you that that's what's being suspenseful. Um, that Shawshank I'm talking. And about. for the record, it works. Yeah, and so, and strange. It's really fascinating to me that that Shawshank does that and successfully. And this movie does it too, where this movie tells you an entertaining story, and only at the end. Pardon the expression, pulls the rabbit out of the hat and says, and all along, by the way, there was, was this whole other thing. This other thing was going on that was happening right in front of your eyes. Um, it's amazing. To, and it's a, such a difficult feat to pull off. Eddie, how do you feel about Christian Bale? Um, I like Christian Bale. I mean, I mean he's, he's, he's brought out a lot of great performances. And he really has. An actor for a merits actor's sake is he's a great. He's pulled a lot of really cool performances out of his ass. He, he, he makes extremely strong choices. And you can tell, like, whatever choices he makes to do with the character, he just he floors it. He doesn't sort of look back. He doesn't do it half-assed. Machinist is, of course, his famous. Machinist is great. I, I would even say even something like... Uh, American Psycho? Well, of course, America's like. But I was thinking uh, the equilibrium, even something like equilibrium, that. Equilibrium, yeah. Even something like that, where he just sort of, you know, he he believes it, he buys it. Um, he isn't always so intense. He can be, he, you know, he does play a lot of intense characters, partially because of you know whether it be Batman or even Public Enemy. Um, but I mean, you you can tell he just once he's committed to something, and if he doesn't have a strong directorial hand, he is when he really sort of overplays it. Like I think Terminator Salvation is a good example of that. McGee, I don't think did much with him, and so he just made his own choices. And and I, of course, this is all conjecture, but I'm just saying, like it just uh, the 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 better you, you were done professionally. That's it. <laughs> well, what, what, are you? what is that? And by the way, the, there the, you are that walking is, around. That is the biggest epic dick tuck I've ever heard from a director. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't here. What? Yeah. yeah, but um, I wasn't in control of that I movie. I just I, I'm, I'm only the director of the damn movie. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, as far as uh, he goes, I think he does better with stronger directors who can help sort of not guide him, but just push him in the right direction. Brian, from an acting standpoint, um, well, he yeah, like like uh, like Eddie was saying, he strong choices are absolutely crucial to performance, and he he not only makes strong choices, but he absolutely commits. The like Eddie was saying, the problem is if those choices aren't. Uh, done in a certain direction aren't guided in a certain way either by himself or by a director because plenty of actors can direct themselves very well um but otherwise you just float and it's just this emotional intensity without any any grounding in in something real and if somebody is just has all of this emotion going on but there's no real anchor to it there's no real direction for it then that's when it becomes melodramatic that's when it becomes over the top and unbelievable this diary <laughs> the diary, which again is is a boy. It's the, that's the only how, thing how many he, how many head fakes in one is this diary? It's it, like it confuses you and anchors you at the same time. Yeah, like it, it sort of just you really like it's the only thing that you really have to sort of like latch onto as you go yeah. onto this ride. For me, the thing about Christian Bale is it's always you know I, again I, I encountered Christian Bale first as you know the kid from, from Empire, Empire of the Sun. Sun. Me too. You know, yeah. and then the kid in the movie I didn't see in Newsies. Um, <laughs> You know, and uh, well, he was great in that movie. You didn't see. He was great in that movie. You didn't see. I haven't uh, seen it either. I love the part where he didn't do it. Yeah, that, Colorado that's, Springs. That's that's South Park. Yeah, exactly. South Park is Colorado Springs. If I'm in not mistaken. In my quiet uh, mountain it's town. It's Littleton. Littleton. It's outside so, of Littleton. But uh, you know, it's it's so he he was a he was a kid who then went away and grew up and became Christian Bale and it's like well, hey that's the kid from Empire of the Sun and so it's weird to see Empire of the Sun and go look it's a little prototype you, Quentin, uh, Quentin. You go to sleep and you wake up the next day Christian and he's Bale naked in American Psycho. It's bizarre, <laughs> pretty you know, much. Yeah. But I think he's really. Solid, and I actually, um, while we're on the topic, um, let's 
You know, it's Hugh Jackman is one of those guys. Is like, yes, the average person on the street flag him down, say Hugh Jackman. They'll say Wolverine, but Hugh Jackman is a phenomenally talented guy all around. Did you see his uh, Oscars? He was singing, exactly. the dancing. Hugh the whole Jackman's thing. actual background is, you know, he's he's, he's, he's a film. stage. He's a stage yeah. performer. He's a, he's a singer, dancer. He's he's incredible, and he just happened to you know get into this weird career path where he plays cartoon superheroes and makes millions doing and that. He's what we in the industry call an artiste. He is, but he's he's he is Hugh really? Jackman. He is, is that cliche of the triple threat yeah yeah and not only that he i mean as far as the movie goes as far as this movie goes he really has sort of the emotional heavy lifting to do whereas christian bell's character is more almost pure id he's evasive characters very evasive yeah he's two characters i mean and we should give bale some credit for playing essentially technically two players no bale is a phenomenally hard job and makes and makes enough of a distinction between the two performances where on repeat viewings which this movie absolutely commands of you you notice the differences in the character you know we forgot something very important andy circus yep yep andy he's about to show andy f and circus now for those that don't know that name um i condemn you You but but he's gone he's the only one at the table who can't do a damn goal yeah he was he was oh my god he was the andy circus was the voice and mocap model for and what's funny about andy circus is in addition to all these you know peter jackson movies andy circus is phenomenally good at what he does he is just the world's best creepy guy world's best like he's up there with like buscemi and walking like he's so fun to watch and so he's such a force of personality and he's always different he's just and look at him he actually looks kind of like Gollum. but he doesn't steal any scene he's in he doesn't slightly slightly based on him he doesn't yeah he he's always he knows exactly what his place is he knows and and here he's a really good supporting strut to everybody else Go, go away. And of course, David Bowie in just a couple uh, yeah, of David, seconds here. St- you know, shockingly, David Bowie as, as Nikola Tesla. Ground control, Nikola. <laughs> Fantastic. So, And again, here the movie is, the movie is basically, this is about two-thirds of the way through the events of the movie, and suddenly this is what they're showing us almost first again. It's like Now, here's an interesting uh, political and society note. Uh, this is what England's doing at this particular decade. Somewhere in North America, Wild Wild West is happening. Actually, well, this, we are in North America. This, is Colorado. America. this is Colorado. Oh, right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the British sensibility runs through it. Okay, whatever. We Anyways. were still, I mean, we're still only 100 years out from being a colony at this point. So, yeah. it's, you know. The, the you got to give him a break. The, the Wild Wild Cowboy West, you know, as much as we love to make endless movies and television shows about it, only was a period of time that existed for about eight years. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> it was the period of time when we were expanding west but before the railroad came. That's and, it. And not, so, and not all civil, of the west either. After the Civil War. Yeah, post-Civil War, before, before uh, you know. The Golden Spike. Keep in yeah. mind, San Francisco at this time was still a a, a bustling, vibrant metropolis at this time. So yeah. it's like because they had ports. Anyway, that's your history lesson. What do you, what do you guys? Whereas Los Angeles was a mission and five and five, you know, Indians. The, the more I work in visual effects and with special effects guys that have been doing this forever, I find that magic is something that a lot of them are into. Are you Ricky guys? Ricky Jay, ladies and gentlemen. What do you? Oh, uh, Piper Prado as well. Oh, it is Ricky it Jay. Is Ricky is Jay. Just, oh my God. And Ricky that, Jay, who wrote <laughs> Speaking of Magic, wrote an excellent book called Cards as Weapons, yep. which is impossible yeah. to find, but yeah, find that, it. Ricky Jay, the, the magician here in this scene. Just for those you don't know, look him up. Ricky Jay is is, is one of the foremost living. Sleight of hand artists currently in the world today, and he's an actor. Yeah. You've seen and also him in, actor, you've seen him in Boogie Nights. Yeah, yeah I was going to say there's a there's an extra on the Boogie Nights DVD where it's improv between him and John C. Riley, and in the movie, John C. Riley's character is trying to show him his very shitty sleight of hand. Oh yeah, and it is the hardest thing in the world for Ricky J not to break, and then he finally does because he's just looking at this preposterous hoop trick. Yeah. Uh, really, really quick. Uh, Piper Parabo, she doesn't that get enough. Cre- Parabo, she yeah. does not get enough credit in this movie. She does a really, really good job in the the a little bit that she has on screen. Yeah, here. she's not going to be around much longer. Not really at all. No, but but in her little time on screen, she is like a nice sort of. She's she's hitting it on all cylinders. So. Well, as we mentioned in our multi award winning abyss commentary, mm. uh, 
acting like you're drowning is probably way harder than drowning. Yeah. Because <laughs> you have to look like you're drowning and not drown. And be acting and be conscious that you're acting like you're drowning. She actually doesn't drown here, I think. This is the, this is the, of, this yeah. is the trick going well version. Anyway, so what are you guys, what's your guys' relationship with magic? Did well, ever I, do it? Ever into it? I was just Favorite about magician? to say, I, did a, I was in a touring magic show uh, for, for a while called Dr. Silkini's Great Ghost Show in Asylum of Horrors. And you can actually look that up because it was a show, it was an amazing thing. It was a show that ran almost continuously since the vaudeville era. And be, even after vaudeville died, it became a touring show that toured small towns around and then, and then died out. But then someone tried to revive it. And I was part of the revival about 20 years ago which was I was always an amateur magician but I was always I was fascinated by it. this was like old we had props that were like 50 years old I mean we were doing tricks that had been done for 50 straight years um, and that's why I one of the things I love about this movie is it really shows you that this is what it's like really shows you what it's like backstage in a magic show you know the preparation and the weird props and all the you know the stuff that on stage looks like one thing to the audience, but all the preparation and all the weird hardware that's on that's going on backstage to make that possible. And I, I love that the movie does shows you all that. And what stands what stands out to me is in addition to all those things, the the vernacular and they talk about. You may have heard the term like comedians for comedy and how a comedian is with a fellow comedian as opposed to the guys he knows from back home. The aristocrats, yeah. exactly magicians. That comes up in the aristocrats. That'd be a retarded commentary. We should never do the aristocrats. <laughs> yeah, how, do, how on earth would you? Anyway, the, how uh, would you? but you also talk about like a, a comedian for comedians. It, it brings to mind a magician for magicians and what happens behind stage. And uh, I, I got to experience a lot of that firsthand because I was working with some insanely talented name side of hand <laughs> artists for a while. Uh, I don't know, maybe eight years ago when I was in the SYM, which is Society of Young Magicians. Uh, and my my forte was was close up sleight of hand, which is among the realm of. 13-year-old magicians, that's the one that's the, the most difficult because it's it requires the most adeptness and it also requires the best patter, the best interaction with the audience. Yeah. The, the, just to point out that you know, the magicians will tell you, and Penn and & Teller are certainly vocal about it, you know, it's harder to be a good sleight of hand artist to do something with a card than it is to saw a lady in half. Because sawing a lady in half, the box does the work. All you do is stand in front of it and say things and not screw it up. Wave your arms. Yeah. My, my, uh, my two things were, I never got into card magic, but I was very into card flourishes. So interesting fans holding the deck in one hand and popping the card three feet up and then catching in the other hand. Shit like that. And also, cards as weapons, Ricky Jay's book, the guy, the guy yeah. on stage, the big guy with the beard, Orson Wellesley looking guy, uh, wrote an excellent book about how to throw a card, and I, had, I was a disciple of Ricky Jay, long before I knew he was an actor. Yeah, go on YouTube and look up Ricky Jay, there's all kinds of great videos. And I went through a phase where I was really into throwing cards, and I, I, I came within 10 feet of the world record at the time. I threw, nice. a, card, I threw a card 340 feet. Jesus. Ooh. Which is, un- which we did it in a convention hall. And, there you uh, go. And I also had, for a while, and I wish I still had this, I have a life so I can't practice, but for a while I could, <laughs> I could nail a banana from 10 feet. Wow. Chop it in half. Nice. Wow. It would have to be peeled. You couldn't chop. You couldn't like, go through it. Ricky, Ricky, Ricky Jake, you've that. seen the one where Ricky Jake can throw a, into a watermelon. Into a watermelon. Can, Watermelons are, uh, are difficult. Apples yeah. are pretty easy because apples don't have much of a skin. A watermelon is a, it's a rock. Yeah. The, the, Speaking of magic, yeah, this is this a, trick is amazing. Ching is a. Uh, uh, oh, what, what do they call him here? I believe the actual. This is based on a real magician named Chingling Su. I think whose his, his name. life was the misdirection. Exactly. Who was actually an American guy, and his entire <laughs> life was pretending to be this Chinese guy, and in public he never broke character. No one ever realized until he died. That uh, you know he wasn't a Chinese guy at all. He was some American guy. And I, as I understand, you can look it up um, if this is true. If I remember correctly, um, the real Ching Ling Su um, died when the he on stage when a bullet catch went wrong. Oh shit! Bullet, he actually it, it, was killed by a bullet catch that went bad. And and he said and he like screamed out in English in pain, which was like a double shocker for the audience. Like, hey, he just spoke English. That's weird. I love that. It, I love not only the concept, the idea of of a really cool character moment in a movie can. 
in many, you know, there's a thousand different ways a character moment can be defined, but one of the ones that always really resonates with me is when there's an insanely cool idea and the character moment is that the character is on the same wavelength. So that the character, in this case, Christian Bale goes, no, here's what he does. Yeah. This is, his life is a misdirection. Yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, you, it's, it's a double whammy because at this point you go, okay, oh, no, well, that's, that's Hugh Jackman, not Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah, but Christian Bale, Christian Bale gets it because, you know, we won't know him for another hour and a half, but Christian Bale already is living that way. Right. He knows exactly what that's It hadn't about. occurred to me, but his smile in that shot, like Hugh Jackman's all like, whoa, and Christian Bale's just kind of smiling like, yeah, I know yeah. what he's doing. Very, very, small moment, very small moment here, but it, it, it sort of like speaks volumes about the character. He's like, well, to do this, you have to be this, and I've got this beautiful woman in front of me, so I'm not going to do yeah, that. Hell with like, it. she's his anchor. She's the reason why, if, if the reason why he's not, he's a better performer, but he's not a better actual magician, yeah. is because he has a better life. Well, he yeah, has he, a more well-rounded he, he's not, life. He, he's, he's, not, he's not willing to, to make that commitment yeah. that Bale has. Bale, once, Bales have, and or once, however you want to say Once he it. loses her, that is what then he loses cuts everything. His, it cuts his tether. And he's to willing allow to do anything yeah. at that point. Exactly. Then he's willing. He's lost his his grounding. He's literally willing to spend thousands and thousands of dollars and pay Tesla to do this whole thing. And, and yeah. that is why this film, outside of being very well written, very well shot by Wally Pfister, by the way, who who uh, amazing cinematographer, uh, and everything else that it is at, at its core, it's just a really good character study between two men as rivals. And we'll see it later with the parallel between Edison and Tesla, and how th- that sort of rivalry pushes both men to. Uh, depending on how you look at it, really, really highs or or really, really lows. Not depending on how you look at it, depending on which one you're talking about. Depending on which moment, because at, at, at any given moment, they're both on top of the world or at their lowest point. Eddie, what's your relationship with magic? I didn't. I didn't. Get, you were Brian on that one. <laughs> very, very little. I mean, I, my father had an affinity for it, but he never was any good. I certainly never made any attempt. What I will say, and I kind of brought this up during um, Aliens, is that one of the first things I learned about film uh, in sort of my film education. Uh, you know, as a teenager was that editing specifically but movie making in general really is just a form of sleight of hand it is just a form of presentation it is and editing specifically is getting you to look one way while something else is happening the it's always funny when i when i get an interview and they say oh let me see your reel and i'm like well, for editing, you're kind of missing the point because if I'm doing my job well, you'll never notice it. You, I mean, yeah. I've I, always wondered that about editors' reels. Like, how do you really yeah. Yeah, how do you so demonstrate I, that skill? I, I, I think the, it seems to me like the only way you could have a reel is have a bad reel which shows lots of flashy, quick cuts. Well, yeah, and that's, and that's kind of what well, I... look, there was a lot of editing in that. That's kind of what I... I mean, I've, I've been editing professionally for 10 years and, like, I... Just last, just this last year, made a reel for the first time because I, I someone actually asked me for one. I'm like, well, okay, I can show you what preset plugins I used on this World War II footage for a documentary I did. That I can do that, but that's like that's not what makes me. If I'm any good, that's not what makes me good. If I'm doing my job well, you will never notice it. And same thing with a magician. If the magician does his job well, you'll see magic. You'll you'll have that illusion in front of you. You'll never notice what's actually what they're actually doing. Yeah. Brian, magic magician. Anything? Uh, I'm very similar to Eddie. I didn't have that much. I do remember that my, I think it was my third grade class put on a magic show uh, when I was a kid. So we actually put on a magic show for like the second or first graders. And um, I did my trick was I had a little a little box with a coin in it, and I you know I'd put the coin in, I'd shake it up, and then eventually the thing would like disappear, stop making the sound, and then I'd show and ta da, and it would be gone. Which the truth of it was that the the lid was all taped up. So you would just shake it until the coin stuck to the tape, <laughs> hey, and then sleight of hand, uh, remove the lid without them seeing. Yeah, a very simple trick, but that's pretty much the extent of it. Who who is this actress? Uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but who is this actress? Because she does phenomenal work. She's really this. good in this. I, she does look familiar, but uh, I don't. 
I will say I will say that that's actually Bill Murray. It's Bill Murray. It's a, it's a <laughs> holy god. Actually, it's Brian Doyle. Murray. It's, it's, it's very yeah, easy. It's, to it's Michael Caine. That's that's the final whammy of this movie. That that that, that too is played by Michael Caine. I will but, say now that now being interested in pursuing filmmaking as a career, I wish and knowing the fact that filmmaking is sleight of hand the same way magic is, I wish I had spent more of my childhood. Yeah. Uh, learning about magic and, and learning how to do it. I, 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 I spent a lot of time in my, when I was a kid doing little magic tricks and learning a lot. I never pursued it in any kind of professional on-stage way, except for Dr. Sokini, but I did a lot of behind-the-scenes on that. But I, was, I literally was the guy in the back who was, like, doing the rigs and, you know, standing there. And sometimes you are doing something that's kind of I dangerous. can totally see you doing that. Yeah, like you, like you see... Um, <laughs> Jesus. Like you see... Um, like, uh, you'll see him doing it again. Now, Michael Caine stands there. It's like, okay, the, up front, the show is happening, and the girl's in the box full of water. Michael Caine is the guy backstage with a fire action, a stopwatch, and just in case, uh-huh. you know, that was, like, I was one of my things. Backstage, you're like, okay, this at this point... Just in case, it's, you know, it's my job to stand here with the fire extinguisher backstage. Just in case, um, we also we, we were talking over the uh, you know a key moment which uh, was really kind of shocking, and, and I'm impressed that they had the movie at all. Is, is the crushed canary scene there? Um, what happened to his very brother. important to see yes, that because yes. trust me, that's how it, that's our theme. Kind of even it's, still works. It's really not. It's very rare today for someone to, to for that to be how a trick is done. Um, you know, a hundred years ago, not so not so rare after all. Um, but but uh, it it it's so there's so many so many levels of meaning to that smashed canary. You know, that's so many that that is tells so many stories about this movie. Um, to me, with the the way I would sum it up is uh, you know it's the question of was where's his brother? Oh, his brother? What brother? What brother? What brother? He's uh, like, no, there's no, know, brother. The, no brother. No brother. Uh, I just have to know. point out, by the way, uh, this is a guy that played Doctor Moriarty in Star Trek: Next Generation. A guy oh, who, oh, okay. wow. yeah, one of those guys you never wow. see, wow. Ever, but it's awesome to see. Him. Well done, sir. Yeah. I, I want to wrap up the, the, on the topic of magic because we spent about ten minutes on it. But uh, when you talk to Teller, when you talk to when, Teller, when you talk to Teller, uh, if you can, he's uh, involved in a lot of. He's interested in uh, neurology and, and the way humans work as much as he is in magic. And he talks about how he's been involved in studies where they've figured out that even if you know, if you're participating in a trick and there's a camera guy there and you know that guy's going to take your watch, somehow you let it happen in a way that your subconscious does not catch. Intellectually, you can just be like, I'm focused, I'm going to do it, and yet you still don't notice it. And why? And they figured out that something really important to that, kind of desperately important to that working, is that your eyes are evolved to guess a vector's target. So (laughs) if you're reaching for the guy's watch straight, he will know that you're going for the watch. But if you just slightly arc your arm, his his brain disengages. It just goes, oh, I don't know what's going to, you know, whatever. And you you completely ignore the fact that he's arcing towards your watch. Not to get too far off on a tangent, but it's funny you mention that because I, I was never a magician, but I, I have been a, in martial arts for over half my life. And if you ever go, go to YouTube and uh, type in the name Tony Blower, he's a self-defense guy. He teaches for military police. But he, the, what he does differently is understanding sort of things like what you're talking, things like Hicks Law, which is response time versus number of responses versus the stimuli incoming. And essentially, self-defense works in much the same way as far as sleight of hand goes. And as far as like, if you're trying to, if you're trying to, Whoa. hey there, speaking of Tesla, uh, if you're trying to, uh, if you're trying to uh, time, uh, if you're trying to time things, if you're trying to like complex neurological responses, uh, th- there's not a lot of daylight between what you're talking about and, and actually fighting. So anyway, don't want to get off on a tangent. But. There's also a lot of great behavior, a lot of great little behavior moments in this. We talked about him picking up the axe. We talked about, uh, we didn't talk about, but where um, uh, he kisses her leg and there's 
just this moment, this quick look where they decide, okay, we'll do the different knot instead. Just a lot of quick, very, there's no words spoken at all, which is great yeah. acting yeah. and directing. And, and this, is, this is really everything the, that's in the behavior. This is the defining the moment of, this is the plot defining moment that's happening right now is the, did you or did you not change the knot? And did, did you or did you not end up killing my wife as a result? And what's interesting is that in some ways, Bale's character and Piper Parabo's character have more in common with each other than necessarily, uh, Piper Bravo and her, you know, her husband in this, which or is, Bale and Hugh Jackman. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. Her and Hugh Jackman, her husband is is not. Uh, she's willing to do that. She's Yay. willing to take that extra step. And this is just a brutal, brutal way to go. Yeah. Can you imagine the horror of being in the audience and seeing that guy I haven't seen before comes off stage with an axe and is like, "Shit, yeah, that can't be." That's a really see that would be moment. to me that would be the next level of doing a magic trick is to have that be part of the trick. To, to make to it look like Andy it's Kaufman gone terribly, terribly wrong. Now, Penn and Teller used to do, I don't know that occasionally they still do it, but they used to do a a trick. I've seen them do it on stage where they, they suspend Teller in a tank just like that where he's locked below the surface of the water and can't get to the air. And he's in there forever. Um, and the joke at the end is they can't find the key. And Teller actually drowns in the box and then continues to sit and there sit for like there on stage. Yeah. five minutes underwater, um, you know, dead or playing dead, obviously, because he comes back in a minute. But um, the joke is they just – and they just – the whole point of it is at the end it's just excruciatingly long where it's like – I mean, he's been in there for like 10 minutes below the surface of the water. He can't possibly have survived it. And you're looking at him the whole time um, and, and they're just sort of – by the time he's dead on stage, everyone just stops moving quickly. And they're like, yeah, well – Okay. Pat, I guess Penn and Teller have more to do with this than I even thought they did because they're more about revealing uh, tricks. And what happens when you reveal a trick, or at least the mechanics of a trick, is that they've discovered and they've made their namesake for 20, 25 years on you can know how the trick works and still not get it. Teller or does. You, or, you can, or, or the case of cups and balls. Uh, Teller yeah, does did. a great glass cups and balls where yeah. cups and balls is a 3,000-year-old trick where you have two or three or any number of balls and you're covering them in cups and it's basically, yeah. okay, is it under this one, this one, this one? Oh, there's three under there. Okay, and this whole, this whole series of things where... Historically, and for millennia, it's been done with clear or with, with opaque cups. Well, because it looks Teller like does it, and Teller does it with clear cups, and it still works because you're you're well. You, 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 you realize you're, you're fascinated by the process of it. You realize the process of it is just as interesting as the supposed magic of it. Um, and they've done that in larger scale shows too. They've did they had a show <laughs> traveling show where they did a thing called. Uh, um, Countdown to Love, which was this stupid as hell, cheesy, David Copperfieldy, Vegasy, you know, deliberately so magic act about, you know, taking to putting Teller in a case and taking him apart and putting the boxes all over the stage and his head's in the box over here and his legs are in the box over here. And then they do it all with clear boxes and clear everything and they show you how all that's done. And it's just as fascinating because you see what's involved, which I always found fascinating because having been – this is true in a lot of puppet shows too uh, if you're doing stage puppetry oh, yeah. where you have to – you know the things you have to do backstage, you, you almost want to turn the whole stage around and let the audience see what it is you have to do to make that happen for them on stage. Uh, we just got introduced to uh, Bale's, you know, as we know now, twin brother, but at the time, his, we, his, his assistant. And who's, what's his name? I can't oh, remember. shit. I forget the... It's not I forget. Did this, did this subplot... The subplot in, in on paper probably worked for me better than it does in person, because Christian Bale has such distinctive teeth that even though you put a, you put a beard on him, I, the first time I saw him, I recognized it as Christian Bale, which kind of ruined it for me. I, did I really didn't I didn't really? recognize him. I really, I really didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't catch it either. I did not I mean, catch it. Did you guys it, catch the ending before? 
before? I did not, personally. I did not. I'd, all the way up until the big reveal, I still did well, not. Well, I had been... It's, the first time I saw the other guy, I was like, well, that's Christian Bale, so what's going on? And that, So my brain it, my brain cheated. My I, brain I, got there, ahead of myself. There was a... I remember when I watched it, there was a little red flag about that character. I was like... He seems kind of random. The fact that that guy is always around, and they keep cutting to him, and yet he never sort of says anything. Or does much. Or seems to do anything. You know, I started to go, but I did not... I did not fully. I, you know, I think it might have been come back to your earlier question. I wasn't spending this whole movie going. I'm going to figure this out. I was just again. I just sort of strapped in and went along for the ride, and uh, you know, and and had suspicions, but I wasn't actively trying to decipher it as I was watching it. I always really like these scenes with uh, with uh, again with actress her. whose name we should know. Yeah, I know, but she she brings like such a, she's a, good. a she's, grace to this character, and, and she's very real, and you know, plays it very real. And and boy, talk about it. You know, this is not a. a Something you cover in acting class. No, as as Carrie Fisher said, they don't have the exercise for when your home planet blows up. When you're an actor, you got to try and find a way to play that. So this, look at this 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 woman here later. You know when she starts things start to unravel for her. You know she's got to play this bizarre scene where situation where she's you know she's in love with one guy but has to pretend his twin brother is sometimes her husband and not reveal that and some so and and he's always obsessed with his stage work more than the, her and the family anyway. It's just. You know. Bill's character Tuffy. here reveals something very true about a, a lot of form of magic, but in, in specific, like Penn and Teller, again, still do a bullet catch. And for years, the trick was, well, it's a bl- it's, it's, it's just it's a, a casing. Blank, it's yeah. not going to go anywhere. It's just going to go, it's just going to disappear. You can always put a P in the gun and it will shoot and it will impact the guy. Uh, and for a long time, bullet yeah, catches just were... Just ask Brandon Lee. Yeah, exactly. The That's, crow is yeah. a good example of what happens when a blank just goes, fuck you, bam! Yeah. Well, they, they made they were trying to make their own. That was a big part of that problem. Well, they no, were making was, their own blanks? On no, the no. There was, there, was a, there was a, from a, from... There was it was a the real problem. It was a non-union movie, yeah, and that's because there was no qualified weapons handler, prop yep. person to to check the barrel. There was a there was a there was a leftover chunk of lead in the barrel, and they fired a blank, and, and, and they'll do it. That's you know that equals a bullet, and so that's how Brandon Lee died. It was pure negligence, and and you know that's you know life tragedy. But anyway, you go ahead with your thought. Finish your thought about the. Uh, Yes. Yeah, I was just going to say actual bullet catch. Bullet yeah. catch is dangerous because if it's there's a something, in, gun. if there's something in the barrel, something can go wrong. As at Ching Ling Su, that's how he died. Thirty years of doing the bullet catch, and then one, the one night something preparation. Goes wrong. These, I've seen Penn and Teller. Do they do it in their Vegas show right now? Yeah, they do, yeah. They do it with three fifty seven magnums, and they do it with a laser sight, so you can yeah. see it in their mouths, which yeah. is really interesting. There's there's a lot of things about magic that uh, for a long time were. Very, very dangerous. And in fact, it's all about preparation and, and what you've got going. Not only having all your crew ready to go and understanding what's going on, but also physically being in a place where you prepared for the trick to happen, which is how Houdini died. Houdini not only was an escape artist, but he was also uh, he was he, his one of his things that was always on his on his on his flyers was that he could take any punch. Yeah. Uh, and <clears throat> a guy challenged him to that and said, "Can I punch you in the solar plexus?" And the guys and, and Houdini's like, he was I think he had the flu or something. Like, uh, and, and it was, he was a, like, it was well, and all of a sudden he, he just said, like, "Sure." And then he did it without he, just you know, punched the, him before preparation. The rest, of the, the rest of the question was, "When I'm ready, you know, when I'm braced." Although that's that seems to be that that's the story. Yes, and and I'm, I was I was afraid you were going to say about how he died in a water tank, but that of course is just the Tony Curtis movie version but uh, he um you know it's it's you actually can't give someone appendicitis by punching them in the stomach it was it's it, the the real the more the more common 
you know, understandable version of it is that that exacerbated it. That may have even burst his appendix, but he obviously was ill already, and that just instantly right. exacerbated the issue. The other issue, because but, but to, to point out, uh, talk about Houdini though. I mean, Houdini had a lot of near misses though. Well, he, you know, and all escape magicians do. Escape magicians do have that's you're playing with fire sometimes, quite literally, as an escape magician. Really but, good, really good, quick, subtle moment here. Where he's going to ask him, "Did you? Did you? You know, which knot did you use?" Yeah. And very subtle, he says, I don't remember. Now, in real time, or I don't know, he said, in real time, yeah. you're thinking, like, man, what a dick. What a but dick. Like, but you realize, like, like, no, he's no, the, he the other guy. He's the one who tied the knot. Yeah. It's, it's a great moment. It's like he really is like, I, I honestly don't know. Like, at least I could tell you the truth. You can definitely tell one twin is, is a bit nicer than the other. Yeah. <laughs> one guy's just a little edgier than the other. And now this is where, you know, in, again... The movie doesn't pay this off until the very end when it explains everything, but then you realize, oh, like, wow, wow, that's how what, serious yeah. these guys were. What that dedication commitment yeah. really requires you to do. Houdini, of course, uh, another case of living a certain amount of the double life because, of course, Houdini's real name was... Houdin, wasn't it? No. No, he, Houdin was the other magician. Houdin was the guy. So his real name was Eric yeah. Weiss. Houdini was a big, fat Jew. Eric Weiss. Um, <laughs> he yeah. was a Jew from the old country, and, you know, you don't want to go uh, you know, go on stage and be a big old Jew. Uh, so, you you know, Houdini. And by the way, for those more. for those that... I, I yeah, Houdin, Houdin was his his, men, his, uh, his idol. His idol. Yeah, he, he was, he was, a he French was, magician from earlier who he took uh, took his Houdini in the, in the style of Houdin. I can speak from both ends of knowing about magic and not knowing about magic. And you, you hear about the word, you hear the word Houdini, and you go, "Oh, yeah, old magician guy." But seriously, you should look him up and look at what he was doing because Houdini was seriously, even on modern standards, amazingly talented. He was, he was, he was really quite something what he was doing. Uh, and uh, uh, he invented so many. I mean, he did the big stage tricks, but he also, you know, he invented a lot of those. Right. Um, and he also, but he also did a lot of physical escapes, and that involves nearly. You just have to have the skill to do He's it. He's a contortionist, and, and he was also. In, he was. I think he had like a genius IQ, and yeah. Yeah. all these things just worked together. He really was so, quite. Quick something. shout out about the uh, prosthetic here of the uh, the missing fingers. That is very very good and it's accurate good work. What's what's crazy about amputation is that the technology has not really progressed much in the last <laughs> two hundred years. There's not much more to it than yeah, there yeah. ever was. Well, you chop off, you leave a little bit of the the bottom skin on whatever it is you're sawing off. Pull you, it together. You throw it over. You sew it up and hope for the best. And um, and and the, just the the attention to detail in on that one was really really good. The other thing, Houdin, uh, if you ever get a chance to find it, there's an old unproduced legendary script called Smoke and Mirrors, and it is about Houdin, but it kind of recasts Houdin as like this action star, uh, and he's like hired by the French Legion to go to the Middle East to debunk a Middle Eastern. Uh, mystic shaman who's like commanding all these troops who the, the locals believe is using magic. Excellent, excellent script and really good, much in the same vein as this. It probably, it's probably kind of the kind of movie that didn't get made because this got made. You know? Well, it's, no, it's, been, it's been around for about 20 years now and Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones have been circling it for a while. There's, another, there's a great book, I can't remember the name of the book right now, but there's a great book um, and it's a true story so you can look it up about a magician uh, in, the, in the Second World War who was part of, they, they, he and a core of his crazy team um, you know, his little A team. Um, they used magical concepts to try and fight World War II. So they were the guys who like would build entire fake airfields right. to try and fool the Nazi spy planes. Nice. Oh, the inflatable tanks. Yeah, and all that stuff. Of, uh, yeah, they, and they did all these. They, they moved the Suez Canal. They, yeah. they misdirected where the Suez Canal was at night. So like bombers like like would try and bomb the Suez Canal and miss it because they were bombing the wrong thing. That's amazing. You know, they were like misdirecting. It was. It's quite a fascinating story what these guys were doing. They were coming up with like new camouflage. I mean, they expanded to anything. They were like this little tiger team who like anything that sort of had magical, misdirectional kind of 
ideas they were free to try and mess with. So they were coming up with camouflage plans and all these crazy things. Anyway, look about I can't remember the, the name of the guy, but he's actually was a British music, magician who in World War II had his little unit who they did their little magical tricks to try and misdirect the enemy. Scarlett Johansson's character gets hello, Scarlett Johansson, and and I like the fact that she's not. I mean, she's she's on the marquee of the of the she's on the poster on the one sheet, but her character, while important, it's not. It, it doesn't try to. It's not the typical love interest. She plays sort of like this weird broken half character who's just sort of stuck between these two poles. Um, and this stuff, all the procedural of, of how I mean, yeah. I, as a non-magician, I absolutely there's love a, this. Stuff. There's kind of a, a nice echo to this. In this sort of this echoes the again the different ways that the two magicians have of dealing with things. It's like how does Christian Bale do a disappearing canary? He destroys the life of one of them. How does he, this guy do it? He does it with some incredibly overbearingly weird technological way device. Yeah, you know? it's like that's and that's true. They they're going to be doing that again later in the movie. And also, they've already, and you know, in this earlier scene where you see uh, Christian Bale's fingers get shot off, he does a really good job of like showing how much that guy sucks at performing at that stage. Yeah, because he's, he's doing these really good tricks, but he's, he's just a, like, whatever. Here we go, boom! You must love it. Whereas, uh, you know, a great musician, a terrible. Performer. Yeah, exactly. And he great understands musician. this. He he under. It's kind of like this weird, in a way, David Bowie, Iggy Pop sort of thing going on. Uh, in the sense that one's like this really really understands the theatrics of it, and the other, you know, may have more technical brilliance. And there are, I mean, some. This is the this is more of the modern magic way of doing things. I mean, this is a crazy, ridiculous, complicated rig. But there are some pretty crazy, complicated, ridiculous rigs that go on to make big stage illusions work. Um, usually, you don't wear them. Doesn't have to be this complicated. I think there actually are easier ways to disappear a bird without killing it than than this particular rig. But uh, there's no doubt that it's an impressive trick um, with a huge potential for dr- drastic failure. And we're just watching the so trick fa- yeah, for just, the prestige. We're, we're getting caught up in. Yeah, it's just like so fascinating watching, watch them, it work. watching the business of figuring out this magic. But trick. And, the, and also, just like the, the this is where the editing does kind of come into place because the, the the parallel action that he has, just the timing and just the precision of the cuts of jumping back and forth, it's just enough to to not lose you. But it's really what I love is the good. unprecedented brilliance of not killing the bird. Yeah. <laughs> And the fact that this guy, this uh, the stage, uh, the stage producer, very here, much a the, the stage cat. producer here is just like you know, you're not, you're not going to kill, kill this bird. bird I'll be because I'm sick of the bird killing shit. That he was like, oh, he's go without mess. killing the bird. Then okay, I will say about the other uh, Lee Smith, I think is his name. He, um, Peter Weir's old guy. He was another one of those guys that kind of came from sound editing. Um, he had done some stuff with. I think he did like Dead Poet Society. He had done some additional editing on, but he's uh, he did Master Commander. He also oh, did okay. RoboCop Two, mm-hmm. uh, featuring hey, the work of one of our panelists. Yeah, um, not that I ever met the editor, but and then he he did not edit Memento, but he came on board for Insomnia with Christopher Nolan, and he's been with uh, Chris Nolan ever since doing all of his films um he's a really he's, a, he's an aussie and uh he's really one of these kind of like old school editors um but not afraid of technology unlike the cinematographer uh, wally fister who is a film snob of the highest order anti-digital anti-24p anti-red as much as you can get <laughs> nice and uh and you kind of see it like he really I mean, he really understands lighting very well you kind of understand you get a lot of really well lit well it's about it's probably here. about time to to point out that this movie is is phenomenal in the art direction and yep. the cinematography i mean this is a gorgeously produced movie every bit about it is just you know the set decoration especially is what strikes me because again it's a, it's a period that 
You know, it's not an easy period like World War II, the 1950s. You know, it's like there's no night- standing section on, on any of the back lots. Yeah, exactly. Like so yeah. you can you can get some you know buildings that are approximately right, but you know this gas lamp, you know, and, and all this, especially the fact that it's a very specific world of 1910 show business and magicians' props and and the costumes and so on. You know, it's just beautifully realized. And of course, it, this is the kind of movie that you can only make if you're the guy who just made Batman Begins, and you go, I'd like to make another movie about turn of the century magicians and a weird rivalry and have it be a difficult, dark, twisty mystery story. And the studio will say, well, did you just direct Batman Begins? Yes, I did. <laughs> Are you going to star Batman in it? Yes, I will. Are you also going to put Wolverine in the other lead? Yes, I sure, will. Sure, why not? Can you throw in Scarlett Johansson and maybe Michael Caine? Okay, fine. Sure, make that movie. We if don't care insist. what that movie is. Yeah. The studio does not care what the Batman-Wolverine Oh, Michael Caine the, movie is such a great reveal. Dope. Such a great reveal with those yeah. fingers there. So, like, so only Nolan could could get this made. Only a Nolan, you know, Cameron could make this movie. Now, I suppose right. if he wanted to, but this movie is, you know, we were only lucky enough to get a movie like this because Nolan had the cred from Batman Begins that he could make something like this. Yeah. And the fact that he this movie was then successful is, you know, icing on the cake. What I've kind of noticed, and, and 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 maybe I'm reading too much into it, but what I've kind of noticed is that he uses these movies in between movies to sort of experiment with it's this, different the Soderberg, ideas. The Soderbergh one for you, well, one for me. But he can't, yeah. well, not. It's not just that though. It's not just like I'll do whatever I want, and they're not these separate entities. I mean, I think a lot of the ideas in this. Um, that he kind of explores in this movie, you see again in Dark Knight. I think you know, the idea of the of the rivalry and the two sides of the same coin, and really we're not that different. And who are you really? Who are you really? I mean, he does. I mean, identity issues are a huge theme with Nolan's work. True, but uh, also just sort of like dyna- even in Insomnia. Well, not so much in Memento though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Wait, question, what, what did you say? The question of who am I really never comes up in Memento. But you know, someone on Twitter the other day said, if I was the if I was his character in Memento, if I was Ethan Hawke, in Memento, D- Disneyland, I would just yeah. put Disneyland on my chest I'd, and say, "Go to Disneyland." And- I'd buy myself an all-year pass, and I'd just say, "Just go to <laughs> that Disneyland." That was brilliant. That was brilliant. Yeah. But- <laughs> But even in Insomnia, like the idea of losing yourself and losing your identity to something, yeah. uh, it definitely kind of comes through. And so that's why I'm, I'm very curious to see what Inception, Inception will bring and also how that will inform his next movie. Because this, uh, because Insomnia kind of, in a way, informed uh, Batman Begins. And, and I think this movie kind of informs Dark Knight. Like it's just this good sort of mirror image of each other. Again, just we're, we're watching the scene. Of, yeah, uh, but this movie doesn't have the giant gaping plot holes that Dark Knight has. <laughs> True enough. Fair enough. But I mean, you know, I, so, I, so I save it for save it for that. Guy. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, save yeah. for that. But I, I, I will say that, like this movie, that movie is far more interested in the characters than the plot, and that's why the Batman movies are good because no other comic book movie, I would even say, understands the character and the psyche of Batman better than the two Chris Nolan Batman films. Or at least explains it in a way that I can accept. I can relate yeah. to it. Yeah. It's, it's like, okay, like, I, if it's I, went like, through, I understand that Batman. I get I, him. If I went through what he went through and then had the resources he did, eh, maybe not. Yeah. And it's nicely lampshaded in Dark Knight where, where the one, his one minion from Wayne Enterprises figures it out and Morgan Freeman just calls him on the, on the <laughs> ludicrousness of it. I know. Yeah. Anywho. Uh, so prestige. So, oh, right, right, we're right. Back, so we're back with, uh, with Gollum. Uh, hanging out with Gollum, I'm just I'm realizing here on this nice big TV we're watching on just how beautifully shot and decorated this scene is. It's like Barry Lyndon. It almost. really is. It's it looks like, like it's, it's, it, this is phenomenally beautifully done. 
I mean, he really does understand. You know, Wally Fisher really does understand Shadow and 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 the importance of it, and also just sort of a kind of a thing that you we take for granted in these olden days before electricity. If the sun went down, oh, I think it's it pretty. Old. It's pretty dark. Yeah, like, yeah. very it, dark. If all you got is lanterns and lamps and whatnot, maybe you know it, it gets dark as hell if there's no electricity in the world. I thought you meant olden days is in 2006. Was oh like, yeah, back, yeah in back in 2006. Back in the aughts. Back when that second Gorillas album Which, came out, so this, long this ago. also it, it touches on obliquely something that's kind of interesting in the in the history of magic is that often a technology that was new and people hadn't necessarily encountered it before would get used as stage magic. Right. You know, yeah. it, in the, in terms well, of the like like movie projection. You know, old ghost effects it would be done yep. when most people hadn't seen a movie. You would you know early magicians sometimes adopted like well we'll just project. You know, even if it's just a slide, you know, they would create these ghost effects and people would be amazed because they'd never seen that before. Another one that they would use for ghost effects, which they later used in the Haunted Mansion, is the 45 degree mirror. Yeah, they uh, they'd use a piece of glass that had a silver lining on it that was still transparent, but it was a little more reflective than glass would be. And they would project basically a 45 degree reflection from the ground below the stage. And looking at the audience, or from off stage, you could bounce it from, you from can, the wings. You, you could also do it vertically. You can uh, make any, you can basically make anything happen if you want it to be half transparent. It's where it's, it's where the phrase it's where the phrase you know when we say oh it's all smoke and mirrors it means that you know half of stage magic is smoke done with mirrors. smoke and mirrors. Well, that, that goes back to Arthur C. Clarke's uh, yeah, famous any, quote exactly. that says any sufficiently any, any technology is any sufficiently advanced uh, technology is indistinguishable from. So magic. if you read up on the history of, of magic, especially in this era when when you know stage was still very prevalent, but technology was really starting to, to develop. Um, you know, a lot of stage magicians would go, oh, that's kind of interesting the way you can project an image into the air like that. Um, I think I'll make a magic trick out of that. Now, the, the preceding scene with the, the light bulbs on the ground, which actually does not work. No. I just want to let everybody know. No, Tesla uh, did not invent broadcast power, although that's a myth. That he <laughs> well, no, he, he did do work with wireless technology. He tried. With he wireless didn't, he didn't, power make, he didn't make it work, is the right. point. Yeah, my, yeah. The but myth my, is that he did. Well, he also didn't make uh, Exxon owns it or whatever. Well, and that's what I was going to say is that, you know, we were just talking about the much maligned uh, Blake Snyder, but as one thing he does kind of bring up, which I will agree, is that your movie gets one magic trick. You get one yeah. magic and trick. He, and here's, 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 here's this movie's magic trick. And this is um, this goes into my problem with the movie and with its ending. And it actually segues in nicely with that idea of science being indistinguishable from magic if it's sufficiently advanced. It's like, okay, so you get your magic beans, you get your one piece of magic for for the movie, and you tell your story from that. But I feel like the whole point of this movie, or at least one of its main points, is that magic is, is not real. It's just an illusion. It's a misdirection. You know, the bird dies or whatever, or it's a double. It's, you know, you have your twin brother you've kept secret. Right. But then at the very end, the, the reveal is, well, Tesla actually had, had built this magical machine. Right. And it's, I, I feel like there's no difference between the machine and an actual piece of magic. I, well, and I and, and I, that's my and problem I agree with, with you. It's, it's it's I. It's like the whole the whole movie is saying no, magic doesn't exist. It's just a misdirection. It doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Poof, except this. This exists. Ah. I did, and I agree with you. I, it's the one. It's the one thing. Although I'm, I'm I'll give the movie. I still enjoy the movie. I still think the movie's great because it still explores that idea to its you know most fascinating extent. I think. But yes, I have to say that I the one thing for two reasons for me. Um, one is yes, I think it sort of does. 
negate what the movie seems to be about, which is that you know there is no magic and it's all hard work and how much effort and commitment you're willing to bring to it to create right. magic. Um, and and secondly, because it seems it, it seems to to me just personally as a skeptic, you know, it it adds to this false myth that Tesla was doing all sorts of wonderful things. You know, Tesla did amazing things, but things that we understand. There's nothing right. mysterious about what Tesla did. Tesla Tesla's you know the guy who said. You know, we should have AC power instead of DC power, and and yeah. uh, Edison was the guy who was promoting DC power yeah. as the way you broadcast power to the to the nation. Um, and they had a rivalry. We could we'd mentioned it before, and someone brought mm-hmm. it up. We could talk about it here. You know, Tesla and Edison were rivals. Who would you know? Edison's famous electrocution of the elephant movie, which if you watch, look on YouTube. Oh no, uh, the Ed- Edison was Mr. Death and Errol Moore's film shows that entire thing. And yeah, it's frightening. yeah, Edison was campaigning to point out that DC is much safer than AC, which yeah. is AC plaintively not. Well, well, no, which AC, is, which is a giant, giant lie. Well, it, depending on how you use it, yes, it can well, be amped yeah, up. Yeah. But uh, you know, but yes, the whole electrocution of the elephant was to show that look, AC power can kill elephants, y'all. You don't yeah. want that in your house, do you? You know, and, yeah. Uh, the, uh, but the, a lot props to this movie for for showing to the wider audience that Edison was in fact a giant, giant asshole, a giant Agreed. douche. Yeah, that, is part, that, that much is true. A more common knowledge. But it's it's and so then you know once he once Edison backed off from DC because DC as we know is not practical for mass delivery. AC is what works. Um, Tesla was right about that. Um, you know, Edison did a pull back off like, uh, yeah, that's what I said all along. Oh, yeah, yeah, AC, yeah, that's the way to go. For yeah. more on this, go to YouTube and type in, uh, go, uh, go with Orson Welles Edison. Right. And you'll see a right. wonderful short film where Orson Welles is playing, like, he's, pl- he's playing some, like, robber baron. <laughs> I forget which one it was. Maybe it might have been, I don't know. But, uh, and it's got Tesla and Edison and Orson Welles as... It wasn't Charles Foster Kane, was it? Because that's something else. No, it was. Yeah, it, 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 so, I, think it was, was JP, I think it was J.P. Morgan. Um, and they're just sitting in a room, and basically, you get this, it's like a six-minute short film, but it's it's got Orson Welles on it, so watch it anyway. Orson Welles Edison, and you'll see what we're talking about. For uh, just to kind of take the counterpoint to uh, to Brian, because I, I hate him. No, <laughs> well, someone no, has uh, to take, no, him, to, just, take him down a peg. I, I would just take him to school. I would just say that you're not wrong in 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 your in your opinion on it. What I would say is that. It, it, it de-emphasizes it. To me, this movie, the story of this movie and the point of this movie isn't necessarily that magic isn't real. That's not That's not the point. That's just a device that the movie uses to tell a story, which is if you if you are so involved and passionate about one thing and you have this rivalry with this, uh, this other person, it will take you to potentially great things but also potentially really scary, devastatingly horrible things if you let your passion consume you. Yeah. And I would just say that, yes, okay, but for me it's more along the lines of uh, – I don't know. I just, I, it's kind of like Hitchcock. It's, it's never about what the, the spies are after. It's more about who the spies exactly. are what it's they're what doing. It's the great, great, great it's like, introduction. Can you have a better life. entrance for David Bowie? No shit. Tesla. Right? And Coming that big reveal, like when you first realize, because I, David, David I didn't know David Bowie was in the movie when I first yeah, saw it. Neither did I. And so I saw him like, effing David Bowie, dude, and his eyes are different color. That's such a great character touch to, to have there. Yeah. And of course that and of course that uh, you know arcing plasma ball, you know, if you've ever seen, seen one of those in real life, that's called that's a Tesla coil. And, and yeah. this and Which, this if you've is, ever seen anything like that, that's, this is a great that's where you're if you're ever in LA, there's one actually at the Griffith Observatory that Which they is fire amazing. Up, which yeah. is very, very cool. Fascinating. And this is such a great character moment because it tells you like, okay, this dude borders on supernatural at this point. And that's why for me the rest of it works because they they do their they hit you hard with the fact that it's a footprint in the snow thing. It is. It it's is. totally a footprint in the snow and, and 
and he's, have, have and he's speaking on the other side of this rivalry. He kind of he's already so far into his rivalry with Edison that yeah. he realizes, like, dude, trust me, get out now, yeah, get out now before it this destroys you. Trust me. Yeah. I yeah, wish I, I wish Ryan was here so we could talk about the lightning and how well it looks because I think it looks great. It's beautiful. I, I, yeah, I agree with both of you. It's like I, I like I said, in my heart of heart, you know, stoic. We should stop telling people that magic is real in movies. Just like you know, like like the people who say we should, you know we get pissed off when they see Sigourney Weaver smoking in Avatar. Um, you know, it's like it's like I I try not to be one of those people but i am one of those people in my heart of hearts is like i wish we just stopped making movies about jesus because come on i mean can we stop telling that story but uh, you know that's probably not going to happen and i have to accept that so th- in this case it's like while i rankle deep in my little stoic stone of a heart that they suggest that tesla could do something miraculous with his technology and i don't and I do object to that. I am also with Eddie in the idea that, you know, I don't think there's a place called Hogwarts where kids will learn to be wizards right. either. And I have to kind of go, it's a movie and roll what? with it. And having, having once I accept that and I let them have their one true magic trick in this movie, um, the movie, I'm with Eddie, and the movie then gets to explore what it's about. It's like, it's like you want to talk about obsession. It's like the, the, you've got one guy who like, okay, we'll cut off our fingers to maintain our illusion. This guy, because of this magic trick, allows us to tell the story of a guy, I'll kill my myself every Over night pal night, yeah. every night i'll kill myself let's talk about commitment yay i, I, I won i agree with yeah. you on that yeah, that's what the story is i let the story slide i let the story slide but i, I am with you that i kind of went oh it, it actually works mm. uh, in fact in fact yeah. to the end of the movie although i enjoyed the ending of this movie i have to say at the very ending i was hoping there would be a reveal that showed that the whole tesla thing actually right. didn't yeah. work and that was the misdirection See, I, I love the i, I think i'm okay ends, with the ending as i have i love the ending down to the frame i think yeah. it gets out and goes black at exactly the right moment i just because for me it's almost like yeah. the air went out it was, it was i mean as soon as it went to black like i literally was like my i was holding my breath I and i've seen like, some spectacular by the way if you search back at imdb there's some spectacular pe- there's uh, attempts to explain on the attempts of people who like either didn't get it or don't like the way they think that this is trying to and they try and explain some crazy ass way that this how the machine is not actually how the how this yeah you know, this you know, the duplication you know, the, the very the simple explanation okay by the way spoiler y'all the fact that every night two, two guys are created one guy goes in the tank and dies and they hide him you know that that's what the story is about there are people who like try and craft these phenomenally complicated no no that's not what it is it's this instead um, which is like mm. Um, although the, actually the, the one most thought provoking um, we're skipping ahead a little bit but the most thought provoking question and this kind of, kind of makes you go huh, and it comes back to the character question um, it's like well once you know, his his reaction is when he goes oh my god I duplicated myself is to kill himself you right. Know? Well, and, right away but the idea is like it's like gee you know, if you thought it through it's like why don't you just use the machine once now there's two of you and you can do the trick every night and no one has to keep dying you know what's that about but well, make two guys and then you can do a better trick exactly but the, fa- the point I think it goes back to the, the answer I would give is back to the character ideas first of all he's not used to being two guys and well, Christian Bale has been two guys since birth um, and uh, and the fact that it just you know, it doesn't occur to him to to go that route. Right, he's not set up to go that route. He's, it's it's and there's also I I like to think and you know whether the filmmakers intended it. I like to think that he's also the symbolic act of I'm going to drown myself every night is sort of his homage to letting his wife drown. He's like I'm going to go uh, through that every night. I'm I would also put myself through it is that. also a very kind of an Ahab illusion. Himself, a Moby Dick I, I would illusion. also I would also just say like we I don't think it was ever fully explained or ever fully established. We don't know which one was the clone and which one was the original. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's not, I guess that's my point. That's why it works so well. To uh, me. They're both equals. They're twins. Yeah. <laughs> This is far and away the coolest thing I've seen in my whole life. This is really awesome. And I love it's it's the it's so the scene this whole the, sequence the, the, is the, really the, good. The, the difference of logic in it's an it's a trick of some sort and 
it's a double. And I love that you don't see it. I love that it's like I yeah. love you. The attention is on the reaction to to Michael Caine, and he's like he already knows. It's like okay, it's a double. Like yeah. he's just. But where you you saw the reactions of because we will, first of all as, as, after a, the fact, as a movie audience we don't we don't not going to be impressed by seeing the trick. We're yeah, just going to go right. that's, that's computer yeah. graphics. I, I see how hard is that? I see Spider Man sh- flying yeah. all over the city like a dude walking out of the door you know, isn't going to impress. You know what it actually reminds me of is. thinking about it. It reminds me very much of Man on the Moon. Where Man huh, on the Moon has okay. these very layers oh, of yeah. information, and they're right. tricking the audience, yep. and only at certain points will they reveal what's really going on, and there's always an extra layer going on. I, th- I think part of this whole machine thing that bothers me, it goes back to what we've talked about, William Goldman's other quote is, uh, actually, I just got to this part in Which Lie Did I Tell, reading this book, uh, where, where uh, you've talked about before, Trey, where Hollywood is meant to you know, reinforce, it's meant to comfort you, and independent film is meant to unsettle you. Hollywood is telling you falsehoods and independent film is telling you truths that you don't necessarily want to hear. Right. And I feel like this movie is going for that independence. I'm going to tell you the truth you don't want to hear. This is Nolan going, I get to make a Hollywood movie. I get to make a movie with Hollywood money, but I get to have an indie movie. Right. Yeah. And so he, it feels like he's got this, holi- this independent message going, no, magic is not ex- does not exist. And I'm going to tell you that unsettling truth up until the point where we have the machine at the end and it goes no magic really does exist how is magic not existing unsettling to me magic not existing is the norm it is what we experience every day a fucking cloning machine that allows you to drown yeah. yourself every night is terrifying yeah a, yeah, ho- a hollywood movie would say no no prayers are answered magic is real i mean that's the he's okay yeah, yeah yeah i want to table this to trey the although mm, we are uh-oh. all cynical the leading cynic of us how yeah if you say bummed, so whatever how- fucking bummed does it make you how bummed does it make you that this movie is such a a cohesive work of genius just this great movie yes hell yes and it's it's just the complete outlier from the pack of hollywood what you're going to see in a movie theater anywhere in the country except for la or new york i mean it it bums me out that this movie i feel like anyone that saw this movie if they could keep up with it would really really enjoy it and it clearly looks expensive and it well, looks and it nice. Did, and it did well. I mean, it's it's it did uh, pretty good. Yeah, it did know, like I, well, sixty. I I, like I have to give Nolan, I give Nolan props for Nolan is one of those guys who I would put in the category of I will put him on a list along with Brian Singer. I'll put him on a list with uh, Steven Soderbergh. He's like, yeah. um, it's like these are these are indie guys who caught the brass ring. Fincher. You know, Fincher, I'm not. I'm not as big a fan of Fincher, but I respect what he does. But um, I'm trying to think of people who came out of the indie world. What was did Fincher, yeah, Fincher, had, Fincher came out of music videos and commercial. Yeah, Fincher, world. Fincher came from a different route. I'm talking about guys who like you know made started making movies on their own, like Memento, like uh, you know Sex Lies and Videotape. Well, Peter Jackson then. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson also. Um, I'm curious to see what he does with the Lovely Bones. that's coming out right now. But um, the you know these these are guys who you know they have um, 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 Aronofsky duh, being Aronofsky, yet yeah. another obvious omen. You know these are guys who they have a vision, they have a way they want to make, and it's not a Hollywood vision in general. You know Nolan is way too smart to make Hollywood movies. He just, however it happened, ended up getting this Batman franchise and doing a great job with it, and most importantly having it be a hit, successful. Um, and for that matter, he's kind of following in the footsteps of Tim Burton, who's another guy who should never have a Hollywood career and yet somehow managed to have one. Good for him. Um, and, and so they've done that, and they 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 really do. You can tell they're doing these sort of like, okay, one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. When you get Christopher Nolan with the backing of a studio to make a movie of this scope and scale, and hedge your bets by putting all you know Wolverine and Batman as your leads, so that people will go, I'll go watch that, whatever it is, and the studio will greenlight it, whatever it is. You can get a movie like this. You know, it can happen. And I would, debate. and I respect those guys that they'll do that. I would, know, as, I would, opposed, as opposed to my, the, the, my last sentence is, as opposed to there are people who are working in Hollywood who make dumb movies because they can't make any other kind of movie. You know, they can only make the stupid movies, and they 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 are just as successful and rich as Christopher Nolan, but they're not Christopher Nolan. 
So uh, my answer to your question is, I'm happy we have a Christopher Nolan. I wish I wish everyone was Christopher Nolan and or Steven Soderbergh and or Peter Jackson, but there just aren't that many of them. I, I agree, first of all, with everything Trey says. Exactly. And I would, rightly so, you cynic. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I, would, I would just take a step further. I don't believe the two are mutually exclusive. I think that, I mean, this movie did pretty okay at the box office. Uh, and I, I know a lot of people, and, and my wife specifically, she has very, I mean, middle-of-the-road American movie-goer sensibilities. She loves the Sex and the City movies, and she is, is exactly John Q. Public when it comes to her sensibility. Very different from mine. But we saw this movie together, and she loves it just as hard as me. She, yeah, the, the movie respects her, and because of that, it, it appealed to... I, I think there's something very universal about this movie in the sense that it can be popular art and also be commercially successful i think similar to like what pixar does in a way in the sense that it's a lot of pretty strong concepts wrapped and this isn't really interesting comparison i'm just saying not obvious i know but that i'm saying this is at the end of the day a really good mystery like it's a really good mystery movie but this well there are two different there are two different things here There's, there's the kind of movie that 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 studios will say okay that probably will find an audience and is worth the risk of making yeah. um, versus a movie that can work. And any movie can work. Any movie about any topic with any you know, any subject, you can always point to, boy, there's a movie that it's amazing it ever got made. And then when it got made, it became a huge hit. Um, you, we're talking about how you have to sit in someone's office and go, this is my movie idea and I need $50 million to make it. You know, The movies that will make it are, you know, uh, I think, what if... Dwayne the Rock Johnson had to be the tooth fairy. There's fifty million dollars. Go make that. Here, uh, what if Wolverine was a magician who could clone himself? Because get out of my office. You right, know, it's right, like right, the, right. The, the end result is can be anything. The end result of any right. of those pitches could be good or classic or awful. Um, it's a question of what you can get greenlit is what affects how many of these kind of movies we see. Well, when you compress any idea down to one sentence, you're in very yeah. sketchy territory. These people All are trapped on an island. Well, are you making Gilligan's Island or Lost? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it could be either one. Y- you tell me. I love this because this theme is really pervasive. The I've done all the work and someone else gets the applause. And this little yeah. tiny character moment here where he's under the basement, no one can see he him. Realizes he realizes he, he, th- he puts his arms up in the basement. Yeah. It's a sad resignation, but he's, he's taking what he can get. Yeah. And he, ultimately, it's his hubris that leads to him you know, wanting to be the one on stage, he has to. This isn't good enough for him. He has to be. He has it to does kind of answer way. partly my question: is the fact that yeah, I want to be the guy to take the prestige. You know, to stand right. there and, and get the applause. It's not enough that I make people happy. It's not enough that I entertain. I have to experience it as well. Whereas Bale's character is more just about doing it. The actual performance. Bale's character is willing to only have fifty percent of the fun. Yeah, it's yeah. like he. It's like he only and he only uh, starts you know sussing up his act when Charlotte jo- Scarlett Johansson says, "Hey, you need to doll it up a bit." Before he's he's just as happy performing his magic tricks in a shitty little bar and like you know he's just doing the job. He's, whereas he, he, Hugh Jackman is out to do the show. Yeah, he's he's perf- he's living the performance, whereas you know Jackman lives to perform. Like Mr. Kane. Kane is so great in it. Or Mr. T. Mr. Kane just rules this movie. He just like shows up. I'm Michael Kane. Michael Kane is one of those actors. Giving legitimacy to your movie. Michael Kane is one of those actors, and I think Jeffrey Rush is another one of those, where you just tell he loves every single instant of being on stage or being on screen. Like even no matter what the emotional state of his yeah. acting moment at that particular time is, you can just tell the man is overjoyed to be doing what he is doing. He just, yeah, okay. Which is just really fun to watch. There's, even, in, even in Jaws 4. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great story from uh, the set of Coming Home and, uh, God, the director of that, Trey. Chris, Chris Columbus. 
Oh, no, it wasn't Chris Columbus. It was somebody. It wasn't Coming Home then. It was another. It was oh, Coming a, Home. Uh, uh, Hal Ashby. Hal Ashby. There we go. I think it's Home Alone. Uh, <laughs> pardon me. No, Very different a, movie. There's a great. There's a great anecdote that John Voight had from it, which is they had been doing this one setup and they did like something like twenty some odd takes, and John Voight just wasn't getting it, and he just he was having a hell of a time. He's growing really frustrated with it, and Hal Ashby calls cut, and he walks over to John Voight, and John Voight's like afraid he's going to chew him out. Mm. And Hal Ashby, all he does is he looks at me and says, "You know." It's a beautiful day out, man. It's such God. Isn't it a nice day? Like we, how lucky are we? We get to sit here. We get to make. It, I mean, we're, tell me this isn't fun. And then he walks away, and John Void like instantly nails the next take. Like he just, there it's like just those little quiet moments of just realizing. You know, so much better than ditch digging. <laughs> exactly. Could be coal mining. Like Studio sixty. It's better than digging post holes. Yeah. With one of those things, what do you call it? A post hole digger. For digging holes for posts. So here's the, here's the beginning of the. What the hat, hats mean, first of all. David Bowie is such a glorious mother. You guys have seen um, Chubby Little extras, Loser. Extras, right? Eddie oh, Extras? Yeah. Chubby oh, yeah. Little Love. Fat Man. <laughs> no. Nobody loves Sh- no, him. I posted it's, that. Uh, uh, it's going to be uh, more like uh, uh, yeah. Chubby Little Fat So. Um, that's it. Fat that's, so. I like it. So, like it. so for a shot. Yes, that's good I, posted that on, yes. I posted that on Trey's MySpace, I think, like before it even came out in the <laughs> yeah, States. Exactly. And I'm like, you don't know what this is, but trust me, it's awesome. Chubby little loser. For those, it's uh, it's uh, Ricky Gervais's series extras, which in which many stars play quote unquote themselves and right. satirical versions of themselves. And David Bowie just has a classic, which is which you is can utterly find brilliant. Five hundred versions on YouTube. Just Wait, just have a go, look. To go out and rent the the entire uh, Preferably, series. Yes, right. Again, I, look at this. Look at this set. We're in his workshop set. My God. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the level the, of detail. The art department has been here for months just Me- to shoot this scene to have this conversation. And meanwhile, the sun went nova outside. Yeah, and like, wow. but but it works like because. It's like that's that's gonna be the, that's your only source of light. So, yeah. <laughs> just beautiful looking. Look at that machine. Look at the, It's a mill. It's all a the lathe. birds. It's a lathe. I mean, it's just, a lathe. and just when you're watching this, just keep in mind all those birds had to have a wrangler. Yeah, that's the right. prop the, person had to arrange all those all those tea ca- all those teapots in the back. The, the 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 they had to arrange a certain way. The frosting on that yeah. that glass had to be stained a certain way. Like the the level of work that went to literally every setup yeah. is. Tell is me this. How many hours spent even in antique stores and and whatnot finding all this stuff or building it? Building it, just having to build it. Yeah. Tell me how many. Tell me this movie at least one. You know, at least was nominated for like art direction. I believe it did get nominated costumes. for something. Or it surely should have been nominated for some technical nominated. things. I mean, it, it did get nominated for editing. I think actually. Oh, that, that makes sense. Because again, it's 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 what overlapping like eight different timelines all it's, at once. It's really and and not only and like I said, ed, you know, when when you think of good editing, it's never in the broad strokes. Like so, when people. I, I love it when like people watch something like on MTV and like, oh wow, the editing is really cool on that. I'm like, no, it's not. It's he pushed a lot of buttons. 2006 and of in 2007, it won uh, award for best achievement in art direction, there and you best go. achievement in cinematography. There you yeah, go. cinematography. Larry Fister, man, I'm telling you. It also uh, won a Saturn and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Right. It's like yeah, this, Empire Awards. Like but it's like, but you know, the, the the editing here is so good because no it's golden just, globes though. It's that right moment. It's just it's everything is paced and timed perfectly and. Really, just count the beats between the shots, and everything just feels right. Well, I think when the most time you're aware of the editing, but aware of it just in terms of in terms of what it does, but not aware of it. Like, wow, look, the editor is trying to make us remember his name here. Is at the end when Michael Caine you know, is, is doing the final wrap up, and there's just clips coming from every which way and every which time, just to help you connect the dots. Under- yeah, exactly, to help you connect the dots of understanding everything that he's explaining to you, as opposed um, to saw. 
which yeah, yeah. you know like you watch those movies and it's like you can't the camera can't even pan without like some sound design underneath it well we were and, you know, on the uh, down in front forum of which you should be a member we were talking about yes, Avatar damn you. and someone came up with the I forget who it was and I apologize because I know you're listening someone mentioned their definition of exploitation film which came from a screenwriting book which is an exploitation film is simply a movie that forgoes plot for a gimmick or forgoes character building for a gimmick and by that definition is Avatar a exploitation film because there's not a lot of character moments and the entire thing is hinged upon this 3D world. I, well, I, there, I disagree there, with you, the premise, you, you, but you go ahead. Argue, well, well, let's, we're, we're talking about the premise. Uh, Avatar isn't what we're talking about at this point. I just have a sudden like, urge to but, well, wait, what are we talking about when I hear, well, when I hear well, that question. We get from like, Saw, which is, I think, I think even under conservative definitions of an exploitation <laughs> yeah, film, right. Saw qualifies. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Uh, you know, anyway, and... Uh, right. And so, so what, what is the point? What's yeah, the topic the point. here? Saw is not good, right? Saw Moving on. We all, Do we, we have to just well, agree well, to that? I, what? what I'm more curious about in terms of make the craftsmanship of making a movie is that we've talked in very theoretical terms about what makes a perfect movie. Or, yep, retroactively we can say this movie got made and it was perfect. However, Christopher Nolan seems to keep doing it. Right. How does a movie like this... Is this just a, an act of willpower to get a movie to be this thoroughly? The pacing and the characters and the I think so. Everything comes together. Is it just the power of a director and some great well, producers? No, see, I don't, I don't believe it's it. just work. Yeah, it's yeah, work. It's you work. you you give a shit and yeah. you think about everything. When you think, I mean, the the old phrase mise en scène, everything in the frame, like. You have to think everything that exists in that frame has to exist for a reason. So even if it's clearly explained or not, it has to affect something. And like I say, because I also think we should we'd be remiss without saying the the creative partnership with his brother, who is a co-writer on a lot of the stuff he adapted Insomnia from one of his books. Yeah. But he and has. Does, I wonder, I wonder that if that informs with. this movie in any way. I know. Right? Well, seriously, and that's what I'm saying is like that. Whatever that re- relationship is between those two guys, like yeah. it's a theme they keep coming back to. Joel Hodgson is that way too, for that yeah. matter. Joel Hodgson has a brother who he really collaborates with quite often, but you've never seen. You know, Joel because Jim Hodgson doesn't doesn't do on camera well even even so many of you don't I, like- I noticed you all happen to know matt stone's name yeah no matt stone is a is a great he's uh, a presence you just don't know exactly what he does but yeah. he kind of keeps the ship together and that, i remember that's something you told me trey is on the team america exactly he's sort of like he was the one to trey actually Parker is the director stuff. i don't know what matt was doing but he's got a job and he's there all the time and, and he was kind of like keeping the peace yeah and, and he'll, he'll step aside with trey and they'll have a sidebar and you know and then and joel and ethan cohen i think the dynamics joel and ethan cohen are fascinating dynamic the hughes brothers the same brothers. thing yeah. fairly brothers i mean there's there's the always sort of there's always sort of yeah. Well, that's a whole other well, story well, right there. The Wachowski siblings. But the, but the point is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the point is, and Christopher Nolan kind of has that because at least he has his brother who's a common collaborator. Is it also helps if there's two of you? You know, if there's more than one of you who really, really, really are on the same wavelength, and and you almost have to be a sibling, or you know, or sometimes a husband and wife team can do it too. Um, you know, it's just well, that's that's more brain power focused very clearly on trying to make exactly the same thing, and it's just directing is hard. We all know, and they're directing not is hard, and there's lots of stuff to look at, and uh, you you have to surround yourself with a good team also. Um, and, and I think clearly it, as part of it, the role of a good team challenges as well. I think we've all seen what happens when you get someone who has a lot of skill and, and brilliance, but has surrounded themselves with yes men. I'm not yeah. saying uh, Star Wars, yeah. what? Who? Uh, but you know, I I think that. And uh, you know, like I even pretend to know what the you know 
what it's like breaking a story with the Nolan brothers, but I would imagine they don't always see eye to eye. Yeah. But I think they complement each other in approaching from a, a slightly different viewpoint, but still grounded in sort of the same. And I'm sure when they view. don't see eye to eye, that's a pretty spectacular conflict. <laughs> yeah. in no the kidding, world. right? And, but, and probably the best decision emerges from whatever that conflict is. But you know, they've got ever since they were five and they were fighting over the GI Joes, they can also resolve conflict and get get on with their lives and you know get to dinner and figure and, out whatever the best solution would be. Okay, would be. Again. By the way, we're seeing a you know a nice little turning point here. A turn, if you will. Um, where um, Bale has become a little better at being a showman. That was uh, yeah. of a PC. Yes. That was a PC just pulled because up. There was her. pretty spectacular. He just uh, kind of nailed that one. And it's also, um, we, you know, Bale. There's Bale's. You know, everybody in this movie plays two to three to seventeen different versions of their right. own character. Um, only Michael, Michael and Scarlett Johansson. Johansson. <laughs> she has to sort of live a double life, even herself. But um, you know, uh, we have to give credit to um, Jackman again, who Bale for whatever reason kind of draws your attention a little bit more but Jackman is much more the, the center of the movie I think in many ways he has more and, of an arc and Jackman's very very amazing transformation from you know himself to his fake actor double you pretty know, good with, with only a little bit of makeup assistance where they've kind of cheated his face and given him buck teeth and whatever else but the fact that he comes across as a, a totally different character where you can sort of look at it like is that is that is that Hugh Jackman or is that some guy playing Hugh Jackman playing a guy? You know, it's like, yeah, you, it's hard to tell. And it's really wonderful how he pulls that one off. And the fact that he, he really does seem like a different person in that scene. I certainly that, wish there were two Scarlett Johansons. That's no, for sure. That, that would be fine. I'd be okay with that. No, no um, not even that, but Hugh Jackman from the start of this movie to now, he is almost completely unrecognizable. The other thing to kind of like they him and Bale have both sort of scarred each other physically yeah. at this point. They both li- physically wear the scars. Jackman early on was just battle. young and young and happy go lucky yeah. and you know married and and you know and the, wealthy. We established early on that he he comes from wealth. They he's wealthy that, and he's, yeah. he's slumming it by being a stage magician because he wants to be. Yeah, because he he does he wants what money can't buy, which is the the, the, the fame. fame of the the prestige. Whereas Bale's about the art and the you know his own sort of personal. He's a working actor. Yeah. There, there it is. That's exactly it's true. So, so that's again, you know, the the one piece of magic as we were talking about before. It's like there's, there's the piece of magic which is a plot device, but what the plot is is about, you know, what what drives you and how far are you willing to go to realize your obsession with what you want, you know. And it's it's the, the, all these characters have different sort of levels at which they go. That's as far as I'm willing to go, and I'm out at this point. And and these, you know, Bale and and uh, and uh, Jackman, they just keep on going and they just keep yeah. on one up in each other. Like, how far will you go? This how far I'll go. Yeah, I, I mean, see, I'll see you and raise you. I'll, I'll go far. I'll go this far. They're really playing a, a giant game of chicken with each, with each other. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, or or dove or, or dove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wah, wah. So there you go. There's the Christian Bale talking to Christian Bale. The Pantages. The Pantages, which, which is I, funny I, as hell. Which we work just down a, the street from exactly. A just a a, a a a classic name of a theater for whatever reason. So here we go. We've seen the trick, and now we're tarting it up with with gizmos that, that make it look like it's you know because it's it's too simple without something else to tart it up. You know, as Michael Caine was the one who pointed it out. So it's just too simple. I mean, people don't get a chance to understand that it's awesome. So you have to make it seem more awesome in your presentation, which is something that Penn and Teller have done in in, in some of their stuff and some of their explanations of magic too. I mean, there's a there's a trick they used to do on stage. I saw them do it several times on stage where they they take a piece of 
they, they, they have a piece of paper. The very beginning of the trick is they take a piece of paper um, and they show it to you and they put it in a giant uh, clear glass like like cider jug and they bring a rope down from the, from the top of the stage and they haul it up and it hangs over the stage in plain sight from that moment on and they proceed for 20 minutes to then using the entire audience participation select a single verse from the bible where it's like this guy you point to someone you don't know you throw him a cotton ball you throw a beach ball third person who picks up the beach ball come on stage you throw a dart at this dartboard matthew is the book where everything is like random upon random upon random upon random and at the very end they end up okay matthew seven sixteen. what is the verse and then they immediately like bring down the milk jug they smash it with a hammer a guy reaches in opens the paper and they're written in huge letters is the, Bi- the very Bible first that we spent 20 minutes no picking. And, and, but the trick is the sleight of hand where they switch the piece of paper after they break the bottle. That's it. A guy backstage has plenty of time to write right. down the Bible right, verse right, right. after it's been selected, give Penn the piece of paper. When they reach in to pick up the piece of paper out of the broken glass, he's switching the piece of paper. That's the entire trick, and the rest is the show. There's no other trick. Everything else is 20 minutes of wasted time that's phenomenally entertaining. How does he get the piece of paper from offstage? When he gets the mallet? No, a, that- an assistant comes and gives him a glove to, to reach into the broken glass. There's 10,000 oh. opportunities, because you're not looking... You're not. You're keeping your eye you on that. Think pe- the trick is you're keeping your done. eye on the piece of paper. You're watching. I'm, I'm watching that piece of paper up in the sky, and you're not looking that a stagehand has just come in and taken, you know, Penn's gun from him that they used to select what number of the Bible verse and whatever else. It's, you know, again, it's like it's it's your your eye is not on the ball that where the ball actually is. It's kind of um, there's little moments like that, and just again, but connected to film like that. And we'll, I'm sure you guys will do a Eternal Sunshine commentary at some point. But mm, you know, talk it, about a twisty movie. It, well, I'm saying, but in that, there's that scene where he's, you know, as like sort of the memories are starting to break down. He's sort of in like he's walking through the doctor's office, and it seems yeah. to be lit by a flash, flashlight. And you see Elijah Wood's character camera pans away, it turns back, and uh, it's it, you know Elijah Wood basically has no face. It's just like yeah, this giant right. pad of skin. They just when the camera pans away one dude steps out one dude steps in pans right back it's yeah. no special effects it's no CG it's no nothing it's just yeah. two dudes uh, Star Trek even like uh, when uh, the, the the new Star Trek when Spock you know he he's leaving a room he steps onto uh, the turbo lift the camera pans back over yeah. and he's on the bridge well they held a green screen behind him he walked in yeah. he, he walked counted to three the walked back out yeah. they, they, they added a little bit of a hallway for two seconds before the door closed and you know the rest is simple yeah and, and well J.J. Abrams Big, big stage geek. Yeah. Big stage big magic fan. Huge stage magic fan. Look up his uh, TED 2 talk about the uh, the mystery box. Interesting. Have you ever seen that? He has a whole TED 2 talk he did about being. And I so really, I really, I want to hang out with JJ at some point because I think we might have something to talk about. He talked about being a kid and like, and like buying magic from catalogs by mail, which I so totally did. The Johnson Smith catalog and a bunch of it. Johnson Smith catalog was the best. Um, he was talking about a different catalog. And uh, Joel Hodgson will talk about the uh, another. Uh, Vic Lawson catalog was the one that he used to buy from when he was a kid, Magic Catalog. But J.J. Uh, Abrams does a whole TED Talk, um, and you can look it up on the TED Clips, where he, he has this mystery box, and he talks about how for nine ninety five or whatever, they would just send you a big box full of whatever crap. <laughs> You know, and it's like it's just all of our stuff. You know, we just don't know. We won't tell you what it is. You know, it's all this. It's all their extras and remainders and leftovers and stuff. They're overstocked on or whatever else. But hey, it's you know, for it's for something. nine for nine ninety five, it's You're more right. than it would if you bought whatever those were individually. So he does this whole talk about the mystery box and how he applies the concept of the mystery box to how he approaches things. Like because mm. and and this I find this hard to believe that this is true. But he's got the box on stage with him all the time in the TED in the TED talk, and he talks about how when he got the box as a kid, he never opened it. 
because it was cooler to go. I wonder what's in this mystery box, right? Um, which I I just don't believe. He is, he's a very special human being. If as a child he didn't open the mystery box when it came, but he has the box on stage, which which makes me think that the TED talk itself is showmanship. That this is a bullshit story he's telling us, but to make a point. Um, but he's got this box with you know big question marks on it. And it's very old school. Um, but he talks about how that's how he approaches filmmaking is. Sometimes it's better not to open the box. I agree. It talks about making, you know, making Lost and how that applies. Like, but if you don't open the box for five seasons, eventually the audience yeah, gets eventually, very yeah, exactly. Well, they just, so, but, they just, but it's anyway. So look at TED Talk. He talks about the mystery box, and he has the mystery box, and he, he said he claims that he's never opened the mystery box. Yeah, I call bullshit on. Yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a good story, but I don't think it's the truth. But the idea is is correct. You know, the idea of not showing everything. Here's our good. Here's our good look at uh, Kristen Bale's. Alternate uh, self, and you can really examine like what they. So he doesn't. He doesn't in the movie. He doesn't really talk that much, but obviously, of course, in real life, in the universe, he would have had to talk. Do you think when he does, he talks with the Batman voice? I don't know. (laughs) That is like my biggest complaint with the with the Batman movies is is that (laughs) voice he chooses because uh, it's funny. His his alter ego already in the realm of self. His alter ego kind of looks like me. It's <laughs> now that I'm from that angle anyway. It's like, hey, cool. Like, uh, in the right light with the right makeup, I could almost be kind of Wait, Christian Bale. Try. Yeah, look at me for a second. Oh, yeah, I totally see Christian Bale there. No, I, it's alter ego, not Christian <laughs> no, no, Bale. That's what I'm saying, yeah. But if Christian Bale can be made to look like me, then I could t- right. theoretically that's be made to look like Christian Bale. That's, that's kind of what I was going for. The, yeah, the waiter who pours uh, wine actually looks almost identical to Mr. Brian Fen- uh, Yeah, I, I missed it. Anyway, no, hopefully, hopefully, he, hopefully he, he, he does wine. not. He's a shadow. He's a blur. I'm just. Oh. Oh, that's Brian all over. He's a cipher. He's a mystery. He's whatever you want him to be. What a lot of ladies. Deep focus scenes in this. I guess that's probably because they're doing such low light. There's so many low Again, it, it, it just, also saves them money in the art direction. It reminds well, me. Well, no, that, that's that's still there. Whatever it is, you can't you can't assume like you know. They're, I mean, they're, they're actually not. I mean, clearly they're not lighting purely off candlelight like Barry Lyndon they yeah, did. But they're giving that impression. They're definitely they're giving, giving that, that impression. And look. and you know, Wally Fester for all of his film snobbery self, you know, he he does it for a reason, man. He like. He understands just whatever reaction that light has on celluloid. He he gets it and he knows what he's doing. And it's not even just creating a cool shadow over half the face to connote duality. It's not it's not any of that sort <laughs> yeah. of obvious shit. Like he really he really plays with it. It's all it's the emotional level. It's not the the film school. Yeah, it's not, it's not just like the, well, if you obscure the, fa- the face of the character, it, it's mysterious. It's a metaphor for yeah. Jesus' yeah. crucifixion. Yeah, hmm. it's just, no, it's what I'm going sad, for, so right? I went for a sad thing. Yeah, that was that was one of my my one sort of <laughs> bad thing about Into the Wild is when uh, Emil Hirsch is floating naked down that river in a perfect you know crucifix position. It's like okay, Sean, come on. <laughs> I think we get I, it. I, I think. get it. <coughs> so at this point, his uh, Christian Bale's wife is starting to lose her shit. <laughs> Isn't that where we're at? Pretty much that. Uh, yeah, her her descent because you can't you cannot you can't be half married. Yeah. You can't be like married to half a person who's you know yeah. wildly there. As we now there's a, there's a I forget the exact detail and and help me out, help me fill in the blank. But there's a point where for quite some time she doesn't know that there are two Christian Bales. Early on, she does not know. Right, right. She's dealing with two guys, and then she kind of gets it, and then she either figures it out or they find anyone that's it, ever spent time sure. around twins calls bullshit on that instantly. Yeah, because. How so? Well, because you can you can look identical to someone, and you can have the same genetically the same vocal cords, and yet you're, you're you, there's nothing 
you can't you can't get confused unless you well, truly but that's, don't but know they, them. But at least they do touch on that. Where sometimes she can tell you. Know, she's, he says, "I love you," and she goes, "You mean it." And sometimes she goes, "You don't mean it that time." So you didn't mean it that time. Yeah. No, well, the, the fingers. Well, the fingers are a subtext thing than an actual. The fingers are only get the fingers still aren't healing. Yeah, yeah. your fingers, fingers are only. Yeah. But, but I think I think the issue might be you know you probably haven't had the opportunity of I wonder what it would be like if someone was a twin and you didn't know it. You know, because you wouldn't right. immediately go. I bet that person's a twin that I just met randomly. I guess that's a good so, point. That's so a good yeah. point. You, you might go, boy, he's, he's, it's weird how he seems different from time to time. You know, but if you weren't already clued into the fact, like, no, there's two of those guys. We should we should have. Had, I, well, I don't know if, if we, we could have. If we could run a test of that, I think that Jake Lloyd's mom is a twin, and he huh. might have some insight onto that. Oh, okay. There you I have go. cousins, but they're fraternal twins. They're you know they don't look much. They're like bullshit it. twins. I have <laughs> I have worked with twins, but I only worked with one of them. Um, and well, that uh, seems perfect. Well, it was interesting, but, but they they're for me it was kind of an easy catch because their hair is graying in different patterns. Interesting. And so so that was uh, you know that was that was it makes it yeah easier no actually thing. yeah I, um, two guys I worked with the, the Thomas twins Chris and Kevin Thomas they're uh, story producers for a lot of different of your least favorite reality shows yeah. they um they're really good guys they look practically identical but their their hair pattern grays in a different way like yeah. it's it's kind of but then it, you know there was a it was just on it was just on television the other day it was a fascinating uh, mental study I can't remember what show it was or what I was watching but they they did a you know one of those great psychological experiments that people will do where you go you know it's like it's like the visual experiment you saw on the web maybe uh, where the people are shooting hoop and they go how many times do they pass the ball and a bear walks a through bear the walks through the frame yeah. exactly did, like, but did you see the dancing yeah, bear but you're not looking for the dancing bear so you never spot it speaking of dancing bear like the, this is just sort of like the this game of you know the, of fuck you no yeah, fuck no, you fuck you no <laughs> guess what fuck you and, and just they're always constantly out, out Jesus Christ, each other. Eddie can make a segue out of anything yeah there you go you know but the, but the, uh, <laughs> it, was the a, it was a great uh, psychological demonstration of, with the hidden camera where they a guy walk there's some room where they're doing and they, people come up to a counter and there's a guy behind the counter and they, and they have here's my paperwork and oh. the guy the guy behind the counter you know ducks down behind the counter to pick up a pencil and comes up and is a completely different person I mean they're actually doing a swap behind the counter yeah. where the guy goes hang on one sec ducks down comes up it's an entirely different human being who then continues the conversation and then they ask then the people go, send them to the people to the next room and then they ask him what happened and what did they see and most people don't realize that the human being in front of them ducked behind the counter and stood up and was a completely different human being they yeah. don't even register that right uh, there, there's know. a performance art troupe a few years ago they did this thing where they went to like a public you know corner shop a coffee store or whatever and they basically repeated events, the same events, but with different people. So, like, every 10 minutes they had a cycle of events where somebody would be walking, they'd drop a drink. And then somebody would walking by with a crying baby and then tend to the baby. And then somebody would walk by with a dog. And they repeated this pattern, but with a different cast of characters doing the same thing over and over again. And they filmed the people who were just there that day. And they see they tried to see who would notice. And, like, only, I think, one one or two people actually noticed, but for those two people, they were like, <laughs> they were like their minds melted. Day. Yeah. Just goes well, to show you how, how much we're on autopilot for most of our it's lives. It's true. Exactly. exactly. Well, this goes back to and, the whole... And, and again, magic magicians count on that. This goes yeah. back to the whole thing I was talking yeah. about what Teller talks about, where you can, you can reach with the guy's watch, just don't move in a straight line. Right. If you, if you move your hand a little bit, his brain won't even catch you. I brought that back. Me and Eddie, exactly. me and Eddie are segue, segue men. Well, uh, but it's, no, the, it's the old joke. Oh, where you, it's the old joke. Well, but he's okay. He's going to be more than he's gonna okay. Be more, he's going to be like um, twice as good. He's double okay. Um, um, <laughs> double plus. Yes, it, it's like it's like the old trick where you, you look at someone and you go, "Hey, touch your was it? Touch your chin." 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. touch your chin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, and you touch your nose while you say it, and 90 times out of 100, they'll touch their nose instead of, instead of their chin. I think it kind of also thematically roots back to the, the story of this thing, which is like, if you stay focused on one thing, as these do, as these guys do with their magic, they're literally missing on everything. The guy, you know, he has a daughter. One guy has a daughter. One guy, like, he could have had Scarlett Johansson for F's sake. You yeah. could, Scarlett Johansson was at your feet, Wolverine, and you did nothing. You <laughs> yeah. lost her because you were so, you know, the obsessiveness. You kind of, and it's weird that the guy who edited this, the Master Commander, you see that in Master Commander as well, like kind of like the the obsessiveness of these these two yeah. different minds. How you well, that's very right, obviously a Moby Dick thing. Yeah, you sure. Sacrifice everything for for an for obsession. Your obsession. Yeah, Moby is a dick. Yeah. So now the hats suddenly wait mean a, something. And then, wait a moment. And someone <laughs> in Indiana just said, "Huh?" <laughs> exactly. No. I remember. I remember. Like uh, my wife, and I, like we saw this movie. We rented it. We downloaded it off iTunes. Like not long after iTunes started doing like movie downloads crazy and uh and so we're we're just like we were just sitting on we're sitting on our bed and we're watching this and i and we'd like all the lights were out we we're just hushed over my laptop watching <laughs> really? and yeah it was, it, was, it was awesome but we we're A like movie of this epicness and you're watching you know okay. what was good about it is that we had to like sit really close to each other so like when, when the hat thing happened we we're like oh it was just like really like it was just I, for me it was in a way kind of cool yeah so here's your here it is the one piece of magic this is the one this is the movie's one piece of true magic the magic beans that grow the beanstalk why just so we can tell the story and like I said, I'm, I have my issues with it, but right. yeah, it's, it's, it's one it's one piece of magic. It's one but magic. Now, Jim Carrey, magic. Jim Can you Carrey. say commerce? Jesus, yeah. you made a bunch of hats for free. Yeah, and cats. You know, Jim Carrey can't tell a lie. You know, okay, fine. That, okay, there's, there's there's a actually, Teague makes a makes a good point. Okay, ostensibly this is some sort of scientific device that an engineer yeah. could build, but. There's n- there's absolutely no attempt to ground it in actual how, how physics. Like okay, well, you know, is there any law of conservation of energy, g- momentum? Says the matter, guy who watches whatever. Star Trek. But they make an attempt. <laughs> Damn they make words. an attempt. Well, you know, okay, Trey, we've been going down this road before. We can go it again if you want. I'm just Should saying, I even... it's like, how is that not the same as the transporter in Star Trek? I it agree. Just, it's the magic beans. You yeah. can't you can't break down a, a billion molecules and then shoot them a, a light year away and then like you know That's reassemble right. them in order without any sort of break. Okay, well here Okay, stop. The I'm the, the one who says the it, does, about, it does what it does. We're moving on with the story. That's great. That's my. Here's the other point about the magic beans for this movie, though. Do you have to? This is a question we can pose. Do you have to introduce? How early do you have to introduce the magic beans? For me personally, that's they a fair argument. Magic beans way and, too late, and that is I'm and, already in this world, and that's why when I was watching this movie, I was like, you know, just right. for about and 90, 90, 90 well. seconds, I was kind of like, oh, 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 um, you know, not, not, not liking, not liking, not liking. But, and I, I was but just the, thinking, the, what I said is, is the whole idea of the magic beans argument is okay. There aren't really magical wizard kids in England, but please, can I tell you my story? And you go, okay, I'm gonna, you know, as, as you're sitting there on your judge's bench, going, I'll allow it for now. When, and, and then you let them do it, and and then uh, and then no, I, where, I go. where they went with it, I was like, okay, that was worth it. That was worth yes. the, that this. was worth what you did. Okay, but a if the entire rest of the movie is about how there aren't magical kids at a magical wizard school, then you have a problem. No, it's about how there aren't a lot of them. There's only if, the one. If there's a cyborg at your, at there's, your wizard there's school, there's one real magic school. Yes. But I, no, but if the point of Harry Potter is that there are no magical wizard schools anywhere, 
And then you have a magical wizard. I, but school. see, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Eddie on this. I don't think this movie is about there is no magic. Yeah, that's not it's the about point of guys this movie. who that are obsessed and happen to be magicians. That is a device to tell the story. Yeah. The story is these two it's guys. The story of what they do. You could put this in space. You could put this in in modern yeah. day Manhattan. Yeah, guys, she's point. wearing a corset. Let's that's just shut fair the enough. That's fair that enough. also is magical to me. I would also say all bets are off because I just you know there's a commercial just on before I came here for the DVD release of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Like if you're making it rain, it's ridiculous. If you're making it rain pie, then I. I think Christopher Nolan gets just a, a half okay. second of yeah. of uh, <laughs> that's their one piece of magic again. And, and uh, Brian, I agree with you. And like I said, you can go out on that high wire and you might fall off and break your ass. Nolan survived. The movie yeah, works despite yeah. all of those objections, and I share them with you. I go, you motherfucker, you magnificent bastard! You broke all those rules, and still I like your. Movie. And you keep me coming back for more because yeah. I can rewatch this movie and You're pick up new stuff all the freaking time. Freaking bastard! That's how good you are. Nolan, you're better than I am, and I respect you and hate you at the same time. Actually, I was thinking about it as we were watching this, and I think with that opening shot with the, the hats... That, yes, that was going to be my that's argument. Part of the, yeah. That's part of the, part of the foreshadowing. It's, For me, personally, and mileage may vary, I don't think it's enough. Just quite okay. a bit. For me, but it worked. If in, that, if in that first shot you had seen a hat just appear out of whatever... Then ten people would have walked out the theater. Perhaps you know what I mean. Like Perhaps. that's you would have lost. You would have lost. Had tied it but in, the movie wouldn't a, have been as smart either. Just you would have robbed. Little Pe- strong. You no, would have robbed. You would have robbed Peter to pay Paul on that one. Like it, no, it still could have been the mystery. But you're st- you're establishing that magic being right up front in the beginning, as opposed to however far into the movie. We but are but take that to its logical conclusion. You see a fucking hat appear, and then for the next hour, nothing magical happens. And then by the time it comes back, then it just it seems like a long walk for a small glass of water. I think it's it's a it's a. I it's think it's a, the work you have to do foreshadowing wise. I, well, I think he I think he made a choice foreshadowing wise. He evaluated, and then he said, "This is enough." And and if it doesn't work for you, if mileage does vary. Great, I, I get that. I respect that, but I'm just saying I think he made probably the best choice he could in what is admittedly a tough. Yeah. Consider, considering we're, we're, Ryan, we're considering like we're down to the point of ready to go. You know, the movie. If only they had had a shot of a hat appearing. I no, think. I think I, we're I, no. I agree. And my totally point is like, then we're probably dealing with a pretty good movie. If yeah, we're down to splitting okay. the hairs that finely. Well, I feel like it's funny that, and I want to get off the subject, but I haven't contributed. I feel like it's funny, Brian, that you talk about being introduced to a world and living in that world, and then what you want to see happen is a hat appear and then go an hour and a half before you see anything else like that. <laughs> but to me, that would be okay, because it's perfectly acceptable to show an audience something and then wait long enough that they forget about it, and then you go back and go, oh, right, the hat! Well, but but okay, they did I, show okay. but they did show us, like, they, they showed us a lot of hats, which is, exa- tells, which is exactly the same idea that you're talking about. That, that the right. thing, the thing yeah. reproduces things. That's the idea. I, I, I try, I you're, you're, you're talking about showing us something legitimately magical on screen, whether that would have been a cheat that would have worked or not. Trey, we're exactly on the same page. It's just a, a matter of how clear... It's a matter of font. Essentially, yeah. yes. It's a matter of margins. It's, it's, a distinction, it's a distinction without necessarily a disagreement. I get that. I think I found the perfect balance, though. What they should have done, every scene, a hat should have appeared. <laughs> leading up to... <laughs> in every scene, a hat suddenly appears in the background. Kind of like Fight Club with that Well, cock. see, the point you is, just, again, you know, the, the beautiful ambiguity of this movie is that there are people, and again, look on IMDb and watch, look at the conversations, where people don't... People think that the, the, the thing doesn't actually duplicate anything. People think that the, this whole movie is telling you this machine doesn't do anything, and, te- and, and Tesla was scamming him, and the whole thing with hats and cats was a big fake and 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 a whole alternate explanation so the big tesla head fake exactly so the fact that it's that just barely ambiguous enough which i don't think it is i think it's fairly clear what's going on but you know i like that better i think that's a better choice than opening at the very beginning going there will be magical appearing hats in this movie i i think the choice of reserving that was the better choice a difficult choice to be absolutely clear i think the best choice would have been that if the movie were that 
like we were talking about earlier, where Tesla was, it was an actual giant head fake on Tesla's part, I think that's the best choice. If you're dealing with this thing is actually a piece of magic, then I think the establishment of Matt needs just to be just a hair, just a tiny, tiny hair stronger. And I think that maybe that tiny hair push in one direction, I think you would have lost as many as you gained with it. So it's like, it really is just a matter of preference. The the level of things we're talking about is something that I'm sure Christopher Nolan and his team and his editor sat and Uh, argued longer than we ever will about exactly that point. And this is where they came out. Give us 15 more minutes though. And who knows? So, um, and this is, this is great work here because you, because you know, they had shots where they go, you know, maybe we should see a hat appearing. No, no. And then they sleep on it and then they have lunch and then they talk about it again. And they try it in a cut. And they and try and it and a And then the way. studio executive goes, can we see a head appear? Yeah. And no. And, and, and then you get the one studio executive. I thought Bale shot lightning, goddammit. Yeah, like, where's that scene? Now, we're getting to the point where, obviously, on second viewings, you realize by this point that Bale's wife knows there's <laughs> weirdness. something going on. Serious weirdness. Yeah. Something just feels a little different here. So it's like – so, and, and we, we just see it as a deteriorating marriage. There's so a point great. here. Is, I think it's in this scene where she goes, I know what you are. Yeah. Where, where you, yeah. She, she, has, she has finally either – I think she just figured it out. She well, finally got it. Or what, what's, what's great about it, what I was saying, is that it works on both levels in the sense that yeah. you can't be – and this is sort of an allegory for marriage as well. You can't be half married. You can't be half invested. And even if he had no twin, he is obviously only half invested in her. And that's why it works on both levels. If there was no twin, the marriage fails because he's half invested. There is a twin. No, I, I don't think he's that's He's literally half, you know, No, they, they, one of him legitimately loves her and the well, other just doesn't. That's what I'm saying. So it, it, at this point, because we don't know that at this point, we yeah. just assume he's only half there. That's Which makes being, sense, which yeah, works. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying it works on both levels. That's why in this scene, in this moment, if you've just watched this film up until now and you don't know anything else, firstly, what the hell are you doing listening down in front about it? But secondly, you, you know that it, it plays... It, when you do like these grand twists sort of endings the peripatia thing yeah the twist has to work if they're if, in the absence of a twist up until the moment of that twist otherwise Six Sense, Fight Club yeah Six Sense does it very well Fight Club does it very well Shawshank. Like, it works all, Shawshank Shawshank does it very well it works all the way up until that twist if something fails along the way that's when you get people predicting that's the a very very good point yeah that's a very good point Eddie yeah, that's. I mean, that's what. Thank you. That's what I. That's that's one of the reasons why we love you, man. I like. I like. I like, I like. I like Nolan. I like what Nolan does in this. Is like if we're talking about this is the same idea. So we. It's, it's entertaining anyway, and then at the end you go, my God, you were running a whole other game on me the whole time, and that's when you go, I need to watch this again. Yeah, you now. son of a gun. So here's an interesting question. Yeah. What's an What's an example of a failure of that? What's a What's a movie that's come out and everyone's been like that kind of didn't work? So, there was something recent. I saw. Signs. So, uh, what, what would you say? Well. So, there was no twist. There was no signs. The twist and signs. The twist and signs is that the aliens suck. Yeah. The twist and yeah. signs is like they, they came to a planet. That's 3, the twist and signs is that I can't actually write a movie. Yeah. The, 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 the twist and signs is that wow, the ultimate nullifier is a super soaker. Like yeah. right. It, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say so, there was something very recently, and I, I it's killing me that I can't remember it. Where I saw it in the theater, and like literally ten minutes in, me, and my wife, and my friend were like, "Yeah, this happened," and Ooh. and I can't. And fuck me, I can't. Is remember it the Julian Moore child taken away movie? Oh, that one! I didn't see it, so I couldn't. Oh tell no, it wasn't. That you one. know, what? I tell you another movie that does it really well, which is a classic, true, true, true classic. And if you haven't seen it, run, don't walk. Um, uh, the Sting, brilliant. Ha <laughs> yes, brilliant. You know, Never seen The Sting. See The Sting tomorrow, my friend, this evening, if possible. I I'm not going to say another word about it because there is. You'll be watching it. And you'll be fascinated. I guarantee you, it's a great movie. Um, and then there is, and then it just then the end. The end, it kind of good because the movie's about people scamming other people. So, right. so at the end, you realize the movie has scammed you in a certain well, way. Well, I guess, I guess. I guess there's also, to a lesser extent, however important, uh, 
a riveting ending is not necessarily the same as a a peripatia revelation type thing, right. six sense kind of thing. Uh, but if we're going to go with that, you also got the six sense. Uh, six no, sense no, is a great example. No, 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 not the six sense. I, was, I meant to say seven. Uh, seven. Seven's a great ending, yeah. Seven is a great sort of you know, and I, ending. And I it has, know, seven isn't the kind of thing we're talking about here, right. though. That's, uh, like I said, seven no. doesn't qualify for a change of the... Everything no, it doesn't happens. change anything. It just adds more texture. We're talking about we're talking about redefining while not changing. Yeah. it's basically what, what it is. Trey, you'll maybe you'll appreciate this. Maybe you won't. I'll try. Basically, what it's doing <laughs> is it's writing it's writing $20. Star Wars and Pink Five at the same time. Twenty dollars on Trey. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah, t- it doesn't they, tell you about Pink Five till actually. You three. can sort of say it that way. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's. I'm trying to think of there. there I'm trying to think of a bad example because it's so hard. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a bad example because you try to get you try to abort that out of your brain as soon as possible. Movie that makes. Oh, this guy. He was on Frasier. Yeah, there's so, yeah. There's so yeah, many, I love this guy. Isn't he great? Yes, yeah. yeah, there's so many great Mr. Bad Prissy guys. guy. And of course, we haven't even mentioned him, but uh, Lord John Marbury, yes. from the West Wing, is yes. all over this. And also, uh, he's on Cheers. He was great on Cheers yeah. as well. Is that the drunky British? Yes. yes. Where yes. is he in the movie? I missed him. I've, I've been paying attention. I hadn't, I hadn't connected that dot. He was. Uh, who, he's uh, he's uh, the attorney. He'll, I think we'll see him again later. He's one of the attorneys. When uh, oh. as far as uh, we're going to do a commentary for oh, every uh, episode of the West Wing. Oh, really? Really? Okay. Really good example of like a movie that. It's not. I don't. It's not really a twist because it's more of a halfway reveal. But Benjamin Button, like five minutes into, it, I'm like, mm. oh yeah, okay. There, there you go. That's in terms that's, of. Are you talking that, about that, the aging backwards thing? Well, no. About the uh, about um, spoilers. Whatever. Trying well, think, no. Trying but, to think what the, the daughter. Is. The daughter is like, who's this man, Mama? It's like, well, well it's your fucking know, that, dad. Ten that, minutes that's into not, it, I'm that's like, not, but the whole movie doesn't hinge on. I agree. That. I agree. It does, but that, that's you know. Did you come up with the failure movie? Still trying to think of a movie to, that, that, that was my that was my meager attempt at a failure, which in it yeah. of itself was a failure. I don't know if that's so. a failure. It's just a, you know it, it wasn't really tr- it wasn't like it was, was a, a huge shock. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't spoil the movie that you know it early either. Well, so. some people say that Fight Club doesn't qualify. Some people don't think Fight Club doesn't work for them. I think I think what we're talking about oh. is something that you you think you're watching one movie and it is that thing. It does that thing very well, and then with the reveal of the the twist, if you will. It, Whether or not it rivets you, it or it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't really. Work. It doesn't go, contradict coming a mile away. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't contradict. It just adds a whole layer of subtext. It's like it reminds me, and this is a Star weird. Wars and Pink Five. This is a weird analogy to make, but <laughs> you at, will. at the end of Castlevania Symphony of Darkness, if you beat oh, the yeah. fucking game, the castle, you have the option of playing the game, except the castle flips upside down, and all those levels and platforming you now have to do backwards. So it's the same shit, but just from a different perspective. And like for me, this this movie, when I saw the ending, it made me want to rush back, rewatch, and I'm like yeah, oh. immediately watch it. The beginning. Lost like, does wow. that very well. The, the, the season Lost five, does that really well. The yeah, season right. five finale to Lost, when you find out, spoiler fucking alert, yeah. when you find out that Locke has been dead and that it's the 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 anti Jacob that has been uh, talking, you know, taking uh, under the guise of uh, Locke the entire time. You're like, holy shit! There's so many other things here now that actually add depth and texture to what I've just seen, but doesn't change thematically what I just saw. We need to get back to the prestige, but also, no but, well, also but also, but also the usual suspects. It's interesting that we haven't uh, usual suspects. Is I think success. Yeah, very successful. Um, notice that I did put Brian Singer on my list of smart people who happen to make blockbusters when very they have to. Um, I think before we run way past, I think what usual suspects being another movie that was an indie, cheap, right? Make, you know, happened to find enough of an audience to get the get the attention of uh, Hollywood, but uh, not a blockbuster by any means. Just a smart little movie. I, I think that's that's it. Calling. The twist, the reveal, whatever you want to call it, is not some like key that has to unlock the rest of the movie. It's just all it simply is is an extra layer of subtext that you don't know until the end. It, it's it, just one extra layer of meaning and adds that, text that yeah. adds subtext or text to everything you've seen, which is it, hard to do, right? And if you, 
the text doesn't work before you have that subtext. <laughs> yeah, then the subtext then the movie doesn't work. When you pull the rabbit out of the hat, if you've already bored with the show, it doesn't right. impress you. You go, yeah, I knew you were going to pull a rabbit out of the hat. That's not surprising. And for the purposes of that conversation, the prestige is an overwhelming success. Yes. Are you going to go with? Oh, like, yeah. like, like I said, it fell apart for me when I recognized Christian Bale's teeth. He's got these weird sort of sunken front two teeth that when you see him talking with his beard, you're sort of like, that guy has that Christian Bale mouth. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it... it the movie, I think, and you know, you're, since I didn't have that experience, I didn't put that, I didn't connect that dot. Um, but did you still? Were you at least still able to stay on board by going? So wait, there are two Christian Bales because the movie no, is, no, no. the That's, movie is satisfying I, you on that level still. I I, I understood Christian Nol- Christian, uh, Christopher Nolan's thing, and I thought that everyone else was with me on that, and we were all. It was funny because I, I thought I was on board with everyone else because what's funny if you go back and look at it, the points where someone seeing it for the first time says. <gasps> is the same places right, that right, someone yeah. seeing it for the second time goes, oh. yeah. so I was the whole time, I was like, so we all know that it's Christian Bale, right? And right. we're moving forward. It worked for me on every level. I think we'd be remiss, we kind of blew past the scene, but before this, uh, when Talk he was... about the fucking usual stuff. When he was, when he was, when he was pitching uh, the, the new Transform Man here, where he says, like, so what? It's a, you know, it's a disappearance. I've seen a million of the... And he sees, you know, uh, Wolverine behind him. Yeah. And he said that he has a really great line where he says, I'm sorry, it's I, just been so yeah. long since I've seen real magic. And then that almost kind of like... What? Like what? What? Yeah. When did you see Real Magic? I want to hear that movie too. You know, I want, I want to know about what you've seen, my friend. Like, because we've already established that fucking cloning and transportation and all this other shit. So yeah. I want to know what you know. In a recent George Lucas movie, that one throwaway thing that makes you want to go, "I want to see that," would have been like the entire Phantom where, where the characters came from and what they meant. Yeah, right. and who was no the least? Kidding. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. This this actually underscores an interesting. You know, as we were saying about stage magic, about how it's so much harder to make a, a card disappear up your sleeve than it is to saw a lady in half. It's like. This is all presentation. He doesn't actually. He doesn't even have to be a magician to do this. He just all he does is step in the box. The box does what it does, right. and one guy dies, and one guy steps out and gets the applause. There's no magic required for this trick. There's no skill required for this trick. He doesn't even have to be a magician at all anymore to do this trick. David Copperfield, um, in a, a lot in of a, balls to step into the machine. Sure. Well, yeah. David Copperfield, in a rare moment of, of clarity of purpose. Um, Explained how he did his his Statue of Liberty and Jet disappearing tricks. I remember that. Yeah. It was kind of explained. Guess it. what? You're wrong. Well, actually, you were right the first time, but you thought there's no way he did that. No, you were right the first time. I just rotated the fucking people. Yeah, <laughs> they're so, on a platform yeah. and they're now facing a different direction. That's all. Yeah. It's guess like, what? If they looked that way, they would see the Statue of Liberty. It's it's, mis- <laughs> it's misdirection. It's it's you know it's the one you 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 point to you know as as I remember Penn said classically in a, in a live show when he was talking about misdirection. When he goes and remember notice when I I did this. This is when I'm palming the card and I show you my hand to show you it's empty because the card is. I show you this hand and I put it right. That's when the hand. I show the other the, heart, the card because, is going because, because this other hand of mine. Look how it looks like I'm the fucking seal boy because he's palming the card and it's got this weird posture. You're doing. He goes, that's why I show you this hand so you don't look at this weird hand with a card hidden in it. Penn and Teller, obviously a lot of what they do has to do with misdirection and how it works, whether or not you know it's going on, and that magic is almost redundant Yeah, compared, yeah. To, compared yeah. to technical skills, well, I, I guess is a theme of this over movie. Over and over they do that. I mean, it's, they're, they're, they're not doing anything that magicians haven't done for hundreds of years. They're just putting a different spin on it. There are, and while we're, I mean, we're not going to get another movie where we're going to talk about Penn and Teller, so I want to throw, throw out two ones real quick. One, <laughs> Teller is one of the world's predominant talented magicians he's in terms of concept and in terms of execution teller aside from being a member of Penn and teller so you think oh they're like the weird owl of magicians teller is insanely talented and his rose shadows trick yeah blows my mind that's something that's, that's an, an amazing a, the, one. the other one also teller also sleight of hand 
uh, have you seen the bit where he comes out on stage, uh, pulls out a cigarette, or he stomps out a cigarette, lights a new one, and walks off stage with it? And then he comes out and does it again from the other side, and you see that literally every single step was misdirection. Yeah. He doesn't huh. pull out a cigarette. He pulls out a flashlight. He lights the thing and does the whole thing, and he shows it from the other side, and it's like he's palming two cigarettes, and he's doing this whole fucking thing. Yeah. But when you look at it from the other side, it looks exactly like nothing is happening. Yeah. It looks like, yeah, it's it's an amazing bit where... where it's almost a perfect metaphor for visual effects. It's something like, he's, what he's doing is very mundane, and you go, well, why did he do that for us? Because it's a guy stepping on stage like and lighting a cigarette things are flipping around in his hands and he's doing this whole misdirection and then he shows, thing it was, it, was, it was entirely an illusion of a person lighting a cigarette created through amazing amounts of sleight of hand so by this point by this point in the movie uh, we don't know um, we, we think that the the machine that Tesla built him uh, yeah, well I mean we know that it, it clones and whatnot but we we, we know something is, we don't know that he's drowning himself every night we don't know is, we don't know that no we don't, don't know what so. what we know something sinister is going on between like the bundled up things and the the blind stagehands and whatnot and the, the, like we know at this point like there's this real sort of sense of dread that kind of takes over in this last yeah. this third things, of the movie things have gone very very badly now. and we and we kind of like ellipsis that with uh you know we're in the flashbacks we're kind of leading up or the flash forwards i guess or whatever the fuck we're doing at this point we're leading up to the execution of um of christian bale's character so we think uh and it's it, it, dove, it <clears throat> again dovetails nice uh into sort of like this like we we're both both men are about about to be revealed of like how far they will go and yeah i love it yeah it's it's the thing with the with wolverine is yeah we haven't quite established what it is that his thing does yet but we it, it's definitely he's there's definitely a vibe that he's crossed in he's he's in he's crossed into black magic you know at this point you might say why is it got to yeah. be black with you yeah everything's got to be a black thing he he's you know he's definitely crossed over into he is he is definitely in a different territory now right in terms of whatever we're and we're still not necessarily clear on what exactly is going on with tesla's machine and how he's using it but it seems like wow this is you thought killing it's and it goes right back to you know killing the bird it's like well the trick is he's killing the bird every night it's like well you have no idea wait will you get a load of how he's doing this trick right again it's it's very obvious the the process that must be involved because he's cloning himself but there's the yeah. next but night there's only like, one of you're them like, well, so but either, what's going on your brain just doesn't want to put two and together yeah. Like he's not, has to he can't to possibly guy. be. Now there's a. Um, it comes up later, but the the um, there was a, a a line which apparently confused a number of people. At least the kind of people who post on IMDb. Um, uh-huh. the, uh, oh yeah, and we know those kind of people. They can be confused. Where there's a line where he talks about, and it's later in the in the final conversation, which is not this scene yet. But the where they you know he talks about. He says you have no idea what it's like not knowing whether you're going to be the man in the tank or the man in the prestige. Right. Um, and and someone took that and kind of didn't quite understand what he was trying to say with oh, that. Oh, this is so chilling. Yeah. This is such a terrible thing Gnarly. to say. But, and um, Christian Bell is all about, I, I have to get him out of there. Not yeah. fuck that guy. Yeah, he, yeah like, no, yeah. he's like, no, the, you know, I didn't, whatever's going on, I don't want this to happen. I don't want the freaking guy to drown. It was never personal with for Christian Bale's part. He never, like, he never personally hated the guy until he shot half his hand off. You know, it, it was always for, for the obsession started with, with uh, Wolverine when it got personal when his wife died. Yeah. But the, what it was, what, I love that Wolverine. we call Wolverine a Batman. Yeah. To, to finish the, well, I guess it's easier. To finish the idea I was going for there is the, you know, the, the, Hugh Jackman that we see at the end of the movie is the Hugh Jackman who rolled the dice every time and won. He's the guy who remembers stepping in and surviving. He's the guy who never drowned. He's the guy you know, he, yeah. he doesn't have any memory of ever drowning right. because he was never the guy who drowned. Right. You know, so he he remembers like lucky break after lucky break after lucky break. But every day he's got to you know 
But there's another guy who remembers 47 wins and a loss, and 48 <laughs> wins and a loss, and 49 wins and a and loss. loss. You know, but he's and not that one guy. Loss. Exactly. There's also that guy. There's one guy who lost immediately. Um, you know, and there he is. There's one of them right there. But um, you know, for Christian Bale, so so it's weird uh, that uh, you know Jackman is like his character talks about how he has to step in and voluntarily be ready to die but he's the guy who's never died he's yeah. the guy who's just beaten the odds at vegas time and time again he's ro- he's Guildenstern at this point exactly we here's, were talking here's, about uh, sir lord john marbury again wait i want to see this i had a, i have a comment but i want to see his face so i can make sure that reginald how are you abigail your breasts are fantastic fantastic it was a scotch oh yeah it is yeah oh my god leo hates him we, we were talking about this before we were talking about this before the episode i forget why but eddie brought it up uh I well think, he will wouldn't he uh <laughs> how in the, dare in, i in the abstract in the Where abstract about off? reverse engineering a director's personality based on what you see repeatedly in their films and i, I, I my, my friends my yeah. friends trying to make this into an article for crack so that's oh, why oh, oh, well, okay, I don't, well, I, I don't, want, I don't want to venture too far into whatever he ended up doing. But we were talking about the ones we came up under, independently of what he was talking about. We're like, well, Steven Spielberg clearly has daddy issues. George Lucas clearly has loss issues. My my mom left me. That kind of thing. Yeah. But I, what I I'm see, better what, than this small town. I've spent the last couple of minutes. We were talking about Lord Marbury and all that shit. But I was thinking about what what do Christopher Nolan's movies say about him? And it's an identity crisis. Identity. Totally. Identity, identity, identity certainly is a, is there. Memento, Insomnia. Who am Maybe I? not so much Batman, but this movie clearly. Oh, Batman's all about identity. what. What defines Batman's me? all about who are you well, yeah. and why are you? I guess you? I, I haven't seen Begins lately, but Dark Knight I guess has to do with two sides of the same coin. Yeah, Begins story is, stuff. Begins is also about just the, the notion of fear, and I think yeah. that's a great starting place to go with Batman. Is this idea of fear and how fear defines your identity? Yeah. And, you know, but uh, you know, yeah, no, uh, Batman uh, Dark Knight is you know Joker is all about be who you are. Yeah, you know, we're uh, not that different. We are the same. We yeah. just we just do slightly acknowledge that we're more the same than we are different. Yeah. You know, this is this is what we are at our core and it goes to that old superhero comic book trope of the mask that I wear is my real identity and that was more begins yeah. Yeah. yeah that was more begins yeah they, they, and, they talk and, about that and Kill Bill the mask is a metaphor <laughs> Mr. Ipkiss a yeah. metaphor David Carradine's great speech at the end of Kill Bill where he talks about how Superman. Superman. Superman's the only guy whose alter ego is a normal person Right. His hidden identity well, is himself. Just, just to whip out the comic book nerd in me, there is a really great new series now called Superman's Secret Origin, and it's Uh-oh. written by Jeff Johns, who's my favorite comic book writer right now. He basically is going back, taking all the old details that we know, but he's writing sort of like Superman's origin and reframing it in such a way that the details are still the same, but just the approach to the character is such to where it's less about a, a superiority complex. It's a desire to fit in because at the end of the day – he does all of these things because like early on like he accidentally is playing tag with his friend and he breaks his arm and so he's terrified of it so he hides that power it's more about being ashamed of what of, about that alien nature as opposed to uh, doing an uh, imitation of how weak and fragile we are and that's and an it's, attempt it's to good. explain how his superpowers kind of yeah, randomly appear over the years Clark Kent is clumsy not because he's actually clumsy but because he is terrified of bumping into somebody and because he doesn't want to shatter the rib cage like he, he spends his entire life not wanting to like oh god oh you stay away from me like I mean it's it's more about wrecking the world around him basically everyone around everyone all over fiction and speculative fiction and sci-fi and fantasy and all these other genres are coming to realize that rewriting your own history works yeah and that's why the yeah. prestige works and that's why yeah. that probably works yeah, yeah. and right exactly. here here's a, back to the back to the movie in hand it's like there's a great this is a great reveal here because uh, Wolverine is is revealing to Batman that, uh, yeah, that I, I you saw me de- you saw me dead and yet I'm alive yeah. and and Christian Bale knows how he would do that because he knows he could do that trick but he doesn't see how 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 Wolverine could have possibly right. done that he goes how could you be dead and alive wait a minute there's not two of you 
are there? It's also about coveting what the other has. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, well, and the fact that he's showing up and going, "By the way, I'm taking your daughter." Ha, yeah, ha, the yeah. end. And like, and, and Scarlett Johansson is being like bouncing back and forth between the two. It's like yeah. wanting what you don't have. It's like you know, Wolverine had a wife, you know, yeah. and, like he could have had a kid someday. However, like, ba- Batman knows that he's got one final card to play, and it is going to get played. It's yeah, like it's like okay, you think I'm in prison? I am, and yet I'm not. But at the end of the day, it's really hard to say who won. Like, it's well, really yeah, who? No one wins in this. No, story. no. I mean, yeah, okay, Batman lives and, and Wolverine dies, but Batman. Like he, he's his twin brother's dead. You know, yeah, he's got no, his daughter, there, but his, was, his wife is dead. His twin brother is this dead. This cost like, a lot. Everyone, yeah. everyone gets cost everyone a whole lot. He can't be himself ever again. About, like, the, about the only winner is the daughter because she probably never realized that yeah. there were two daddies to begin with. And Michael Caine. So, Michael Caine. Yeah, Michael Caine comes out yeah, okay. He comes out okay. Scarlett Johansson just kind of disappears. Because Michael, at least Michael Caine, you know, Michael Caine doesn't have to pay the price most sidekicks have to pay. Where he was right the whole time, and he gets to at least you know live off the proceeds of having been right. Well, Lord John Marbury does all right. John well, Marbury I mean, is all right, but he's not. They're he's always, not as involved. They're all, when, when, okay. you, when you deal with these sort of films where these like these really strong and can you know it's sort of like detailed plot and very strong characters, it always kind of works out of character that serves as your portal your your lens to view everything with and in a way like michael kane is the one taking us by the hand going dude i don't know i'm just as lost as you let's let's you know like i know some stuff but let's let's experience michael kane is c-3po in a lot of yeah in a lot of ways michael kane is always c-3po true Holy yeah there's, shit. there's never there's Nolan never um, well nowadays he is he used to he used to be luke skywalker in his, his younger days well i mean yeah, uh, uh alfie you yeah. know definitely not 3po there and it would be king I love Man Would Be King. That's a great movie. A, By the way, uh, as, we, as we often have pointed out, it's like um, we we haven't the, the subtitles have not been on this entire movie. Yeah, and yeah, we, I, yeah, I noticed that about a half two, hour ago. Two minutes yeah. into the movie, I'm like I'm like waving to Tig. I'm like fucking subtitles. Yeah, and we're, then I'm like we're kind of like ah fuck it. And we're, and, I thought you were talking. I I I at that a, point didn't get it. I thought you were talking about the letterboxing. Well, it comes back to the cut. <laughs> I was like, it's, yeah, it's supposed to be there, Eddie. It's it supposed to be there. I'm freaking out about aspect ratio. It comes back to the point that we've brought up many times. It's like, well, partly we do know this movie. We all know this movie to a certain extent. But the fact that we're we know where we are in the story and we're keeping track and we're able to keep track. And so you don't have to keep up with. At, at, you know, forty episodes of Down in Front. The, the other one that was noteworthy is that we watched Watchmen with the yeah. subtitles off, and Watchmen surprisingly yeah. worked perfectly. Even, even well, scenes yeah. that I'd never seen before because it was the. And there was edition. another movie that we all thought was a great film, and then we watched it without subtitles, and it didn't work. It was like sort of, and I forget what it was. But Watchmen worked totally. The, this scene breaks my heart for a lot of reasons because it's it's about everything that is unsaid versus yeah. what is said. And this and was like, this was the scene where I remember when I was watching it where I, it all finally clicked to me. Yeah, like, this okay. is when oh, shit I get it. Because they yeah. finally give you a big old fat close up of the other version of himself, and you go, "Oh, okay." And like something's going on with him. There's gonna be some big reveal about that character. I don't know what it is yet, but damn it, there's something going on there. I, I pretty much by me. this point for me, I was like, "Okay, Kristen Bale has always been twins from the right. beginning." See, Trey, I, Which, I am, yes. I am See, an right idiot. There, I find so, it, they show him, they show it to him so much. It's, it's when the, when he grabs yeah. the ball. The yeah. ball, I think, tipped a lot of people off. It yeah. did not tip me off because I am. How do you say? It's right stupid. There. That's the shot. Uh, that, yeah. that I finally got it. Yeah, I, I, I was still like, huh. yeah. And for me, at then your mileage may vary. I mean, you know, it's, it's yeah. not like, it's not like there's any like there's everyone's moment when the when the you know sixth sense finally get, they get it clicks. You know, it's kind of different. There's a point where the movie clearly wants you to click, right. but some people get there a little early. Some people don't 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 make the leap at the time. You know? I, I I just hate smug people like oh I figured it out. I figured minutes. it out halfway in. Yeah. Well, good for fucking you, dude. Yeah, good for you. Do a logarithm and see if you can. Figure <laughs> <it out. laughs> I remember watching the Flintstones movie as a kid and. Uh, oh, wow. There was some sequence where he ended up using something to bowl or something, and it turned into a plot point. And I remember my friend at the time turning to me and telling me beforehand, like, because he had figured it out, which is ironic because he was not a very smart kid. And I just remember being so, so 
upset with him. Like, oh, <laughs> fuck off, dude. Well, there's, there's kind of a difference between foreshadowing something that'll be you know useful later in the movie versus yeah, a, yeah. a secret that the movie is hiding from you that it's going to reveal to you later. That's that's a very different kind of a thing. I mean, foreshadowing can be as ham-handed and clumsy that even a six-year-old can spot it, and often is. You know, hey, look, that kid's jacket zipper gets stuck sometimes. I wonder if there's a reason they just showed us that. Well, it happens in the blob. And, for for uh, this and for reason. other reasons, I love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Like that, that shot of the cook in Red October. Anyway, go on. That is a smart fucking movie. <laughs> Which I watched Red October over the break. We're recording this certainly after the holidays. I don't think the shot of the cook is that bad, but I'm sure we'll do Hunt for October. It's not nearly as bad as, no, it's, first couple of times I saw the movie, it went right by me. I didn't get it and I didn't realize. And it's not like it's a spoiler at the end. I mean, it's, it's established that, you know, it's not like the movie is ruined because you know who the KGB mole is, you know, it it doesn't matter, but. uh, I'm just saying, I just watched it again and I didn't think it was that obvious. Yeah, no, it's pretty simple. It's like he's. It's, and again, as, as filmmakers, you, ag- you spend weeks agonizing. Do I want to use that shot of the cook or is it too much? Is it too soon? Is it too, is it too long? What if it was shorter? What if we didn't use the shot? I mean, this is, this is what keeps you up at nights is exactly those level yep. of detail Which goes back thoughts. to what we talked about before where there's a fine line that any filmmaker walks between clarity and subtlety. And yeah. you are constantly, with every single decision you make, yeah. for however long it takes you to make that movie, walking that fine line. And you line. show it to 100 people and 10 go, I didn't get it at all. And 10 go, I saw it coming up Fifth Avenue. Are you kidding right. me? And, and you'd go, ah, and you lie awake that night, too. Well, that's, that's the advice you're supposed to take is if you show it to 10 different people and they say 10 different things, you're probably yeah, okay. But if 10 of them say the same thing. I didn't like the fact that they showed blah, the cook. Blah, blah, yeah. Cut it. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Easy. That's right. easy. Because, yeah. <clears throat> everyone, showed- from your, everyone from your grandma to your gardener didn't get it. You got to be then more you have, clear. Then you have a problem. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Make a movie about Batman. I, I didn't get it. Okay, here's a superhero movie. <laughs> but even so, I, I, I mean, I, you know, it's not the the Nolan Batman films aren't aren't dumb fucking. It's not Fantastic Four, you know. Like there, <laughs> yeah, there no, is there is a lot of. Not. I think that Nolan's Batman films are the most challenging of superhero films. At least I, 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 yeah, I would generally agree. I mean, but then again, yeah, I mean, we go back to that discussion. What is a superhero movie like? You know, or what is a comic book movie like? You know. History of Violence is a comic book movie, you know, like in terms of being based on superhero, a comic book, exactly. Yeah, so superhero comic books kind of run the gamut from stupid, childish nonsense to I mean, thoughtful and fascinating. You know? Mouse won a Pulitzer. You yeah, know what I mean, like Watchmen, uh, perhaps as yeah. an example. Um, Abracadabra. Uh, like, have you read any of these? Gnarly, beautiful. Have you read like, that, that version, that Bale's final magic trick. Abracadabra. Is, I'm, I'm dead, and yet so good. Presto, and then boom, that. we get the like, and you, we're right into the end, and we're and we're not expecting that. Like we're not that ball is just so. Yeah. This when you talk about good editing, this is good. Yeah. Fucking editing. Remember me? And now we're about to get the quick montage where he's going to connect all the dots really quick for us. And it's it's if anything, it's where the and editor you see, and, you and see then the, poof, yeah, he's gone. Hello. If you didn't know it before, Hello. now you finally know it. How how this is being done? Or you're about? If you maybe at this point you still don't know. It's like okay, how did he do it? So yeah, as far but, as but, it, but it's great. What's nice is is it instantly he knows instantly. Well, yeah, he's been doing it for two months now, and exactly. not only that, but I just want to—I just want to say this ending, this reveal of of this procedural, about infinitely better than the new Sherlock Holmes, which I haven't seen. I've so seen it. I, I know, know what you're you talking, know what I'm about. talking about. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so now here's the the rapid fire montage that shows you, takes you back the I entire love, movie. And the shows only, you the how only one, the only one that blows my mind is the chopping off of the finger. Yeah, Ooh. ouch. Like I said, there's there's commitment, and just taking that shit out of your mouth and straight into the other dude's mouth. Yeah. 
By the way, also, you know, it, casual but beautifully done, you know, obviously there's some visual effects work going on because in real life there's only one Christian Bale. And so, all of that. So there's a really nice scene there. They were, they, yeah. they were overlapped and they were, you know, trading props around. I mean, you know, it's, and a it's not it's not dialogue. seamless little trick. It's not dialogue heavy. It's not the fucking Ace Ventura, you did this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah. there's just, it's just a couple of sentences and then an image. A couple of sentences and an image. Yeah, there's Christian you know, Bale. No. Chopping never, his own fingers off. It's like, oh, aye, aye, aye. never easy. That's all he says before this. It was never yeah. easy. Oh, you don't think it was easy. It's like. It was never, ever easy. I don't think I, I think at that point I'd be like, fuck magic. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be a mechanic. I'm going to work in the cleaning. You know, librarian. Is, you know. Yeah, I think I'm going to become a, a sea captain. Less, less gaping wounds in this line of work. So this, once they've revealed this, this is where if you, if you choose to, and many of us have, go back and watch the whole movie again. And you can, you can tell. I mean, it's a beautiful way it's shaded. Is you can tell which one of them is the one that loves the one woman and which one is the one that loves the, the, the other. The Johansson. You know, it's like there's the way the one reacts to the daughter. It's like, you know, like, you don't think, you don't know I'm your daddy, but I'm your actual daddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm the one who, <laughs> you know, I'm you, the one you who are my seed. You. There's that other guy who you think is your daddy. He's not actually your dad. And yes, the DNA is identical. I get yeah, that, but, but you know. he, he doesn't love you like I do. It's, you know, it's crazy. And so here, like most audiences are thinking like, ah, Bale wins. Bale is better. Bale did yeah. this. He did that. And then Bale sacrificed more. So therefore he, went, quote, wins this thing. But now you start getting the other side of it and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So, so this, this leaping from life to life, yeah. hoping that each time will <laughs> be the leap. journey home. <laughs> Wolverine has become unstuck in time. <laughs> He's like, "Hey, cool dude, what, what the? No, it's what, cool." Oh, no. Oh. He interrupts him. He says, "Like, no, I'm." Yeah. And then, boom. So it was, it, was never... it was great because, well, well, the guy who the guy who doesn't go anywhere, we can say, is the original. The guy the guy who ends up somewhere else is the clone because the one didn't go anywhere. Yeah. So. Um, but the but the fact that I mean imagine being yourself and stepping in and suddenly being yourself over there and going hey no dude because immediately you think I'd shoot me too if I was someone close to the gun what do you do with that well point? and that that raises the important question why did he feel the need to have a gun right there yeah you know just, what I mean it's like just, just to see, in case just to see what popped out of the box just know? in case it's a giant mutant with four arms yeah. all fucking so here we go here's the final explanation which is just kind of like wow. This, you're, dude, you're a serious fruit bat. <laughs> For you to think like I've got a device where I can. Yeah, even Batman's kind of like really. Like, wow, <laughs> you did, dude. So all that was with just a machine. Oh wow, well, that must have been must have been expensive. I can't think of another movie where I've seen the two villains explaining their evil plots to each other. <laughs> well, who's not, like, not because they want the other person to go, "Wow, you're genius," other. and I win. They're, they no, both no, feel no, like no. they've just lost majorly, and they're just like. Well, you're about to die, and we're the closest thing to a friend we each, each of us exactly. have. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like Holmes and Moriarty. You know, they kind of die together because yeah. they were always, you know, two sides of the same coin. Who else am I going to talk to when you're gone? I know, so. right? Well, and, that, and, that, and you see that echoed again. Understand all of this. You yeah. see that echoed again in Dark Knight, where it's like, no, you complete me. He's like, he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, he's like, what am I going to do without you? Go back to robbing, you know, mobsters. Come on, like this, this movie is also very unconventional in that, like, yeah, who's the hero of this one? There I is mean, none. You know, yeah. you, you, and, and it's, a, it's in the, the end, it's it's Bale because Bale was the one who at least had, you know, if anyone saved the cat and barely either one could be the qualified. cat is the baby. Is, is the yeah, the, is the at least girl. Bale has you know a daughter, a daughter. and all of it he, he did ultimately do it all to for his family, which is funny. Since he is the one that didn't have a problem killing yeah. all the doves, he couldn't. He couldn't save his wife, but at least he can. He can have a daughter. I always like likened this though to almost like a buddy movie, though. In a, it in kind of is. Ways. It yeah. almost is. It's a horribly perverted buddy. Yeah. 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 Like if you let your rivalries go out of control and yeah. your insane quest for ambition and jealousy, this is what kind of what you get. And and magic. It's kind of a to me. It, it and you know I could be nuts and just kind of drawing a arbitrary parallel, but it, it's kind of akin to the final confrontation between. 
uh, uh, Mal and the Operative in Serenity. It's going to be like, you know. Where the, there's, there's nothing the, left like, to destroy. You, you're, you're you, and I'm me, and wow, wasn't that, that was a party, huh? And then yeah. one drops dead. <laughs> well, in the case of Serenity, one doesn't drop dead, even, but he does fade from view. Even stranger, just the idea of uh, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. Well, yeah. wait, wait, wait. I guess so. I want to go back to what Trajor said, because anyway, I, I had already, in the first place, I had said it's two villains explaining their evil plots to each other, but in the case of this, it's both of them just going... Shit, you know, yeah. it, I, I realize now that it didn't matter, but this is what I was doing. Oh, this is what I was doing. It's yeah. like this moment where where both of them have been crushed by the other, as yeah. opposed to either one. Like Mal wins, as opposed to yeah. these guys are both like, God, we're fucking idiots. Yeah, yeah. well, but it's, it's magic for magicians. It's villainy for villains. It's, it's almost. A, it's a relationship yeah. that defines them both. It's like just they're they're, they're both who they are, and they 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 just you know they couldn't do anything about it. They just they just they had the opportunity, but they didn't do anything about it. And that's probably say. why they were friends at first because there was like a fascination with one yeah, another. Yeah, at least There's, they had the shared silly goal of wanting to be magicians, which is you know unusual. The, the, they probably would have been friends for a while, or at least professional civil rivals, if not yeah. for you know Piper Bravo dying. Yeah, but again, <laughs> this this ending. Like a sledgehammer, like you just kind of see. You, I mean, you kind of know at this point what's happening, but just I mean, you do know, you do know what's happening. You do realize that yeah, all these. Explained it already. You, you get it, but just like the, the although the again, visuals, go to IMDb and look at some of the discussions. Some people right. still didn't get it, even at the end. And back to that opening image, which really just says like, "Oh fuck, how many how many performances did he originally <laughs> yeah. pitch? Forty? Oh uh, yeah, like a hundred or, or whatever. Like that, hundred performances, and like you just that. I mean, I hate dissolves, but that is the yeah. brilliant use of dissolve. And then here, yeah. and then zinc out. I just I just want to know what the, when the authorities search that warehouse afterwards. <laughs> Over seventy five people were killed in the blaze. Wow, seventy five tuplets. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan, round of applause. Nolan, yeah, you, Chris you, Priest, who also does some comic book. I really himself. should I really should read that uh, read that book because I wonder if the book uh, how, how much of the the movie owes to the book. If it's the really, prestige is done and the sun is setting into my eyes. Yes, this movie is. I, I you're reflecting done. fascinatingly into the screen of the TV. You look like the Joker. You're like <laughs> <laughs> like a big glowing red head reflected on the TV. If only this was a video production. And I thought, well, if Mister Woohoo. Anyway, so yeah, hi, hi, yeah. Uh, so this movie, Thanks, I haven't man. done a formal or informal list of my top ten of the last decade. This, this two thousand to two thousand nine, yeah. two thousand one yeah. to two thousand and ten. Yeah. Thing that that affects about. it because you're talking about Virgin Suicide then Requiem. So it's like okay, okay. Does okay. That okay. whatever. Right in this, this last ten or so years, Eddie, I haven't done, a, I haven't done an informal thing like you have. However. The more I think about it, this movie really—it's really firing on all cylinders. Uh, yeah. I, I, obviously, I would go with Perfect Movie in terms of clarif- but there's been more than ten Perfect Movies in the last decade, which makes me wonder if this would show up on there just by you know. Osmosis. This movie works for me on several levels just because of my interests, and it's clearly a film that does not need me to appreciate it to be great. Yep. Uh, so on that level, it is simply—it's the prestige, and I enjoyed watching it with you guys, and I enjoyed analyzing it and coming to the conclusion that hey, this movie kind of rules. This movie's right. Well, as well, you awesome. said, Perfect Movie is not necessarily great movies, or not even necessarily fancy movies we referenced Saw earlier I think Saw probably a Saw qualifies probably Saw goes one. on the Saw and movie Seven list. qualify for the same reason not necessarily a good movie in my book I'm not no. a fan of the Saw the first Saw you can you make know, that it's, anyway. it's a perfect movie I so, think so this, over- movie, this movie is both perfect and a great movie I am yeah. overwhelmingly a fan of the prestige uh, Brian Fenifter yeah I mean I, we discussed I have my issues with it which is relatively small and it's still a great movie it's one I definitely enjoy watching it's one that I enjoy trying to figure out, even though it eluded me, and I love going back and seeing it again. It absolutely is a great movie. I wouldn't, I actually wouldn't call it a perfect movie because of my issue with it, but it absolutely is a great movie. And Chris Nolan is a great filmmaker. Eddie Doty, uh, very, very, very little. I mean, to me, it's like the the net worth of any minor quibble I may have with it 
versus what it does so effing well. And we we spent a lot of time debating, you know, the the things that were interpretive, but the things that were undisputedly good are so good. The performances yeah. by everybody, the cinematography by Larry Fisher, the uh, the score. We barely even talked yeah, about we the score. Able to talk about the, the score. score the score, score is, is really really good. It's really like I mean, and it's hard for us to reference it when we don't listen with audio, but it's really good. Uh, everything. I mean, and the use of narration, probably one of the best uses of narration. Uh, with just such a light, delicate, but necessary touch. Uh, so many things it does right. You could have a two-hour conversation about any one of those things. Um, and when you talk about art meeting commerce, uh, that makes just for, at, at the very base, just a very suspenseful yarn, and at the best, like a really good deep meditation on ideas of identity and ideas of, of how things define you and, and, and what drives you. Uh, you could say so much about it, and, and, and it would all be good. Trey, um, I, I think I've been pretty clear on my opinion on the movie. Not a fan, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm ambivalent about the prestige. Actually, interestingly <laughs> enough, um, something that just uh, passed by on the script, the, the script supervisor, um, the name was uh, Steve Gerke, who is Steve Gerke is a script supervisor I worked with on a movie years ago. I can't remember exactly which one, but I know I worked with Steve on a movie. Um, and it suddenly struck me, how would you like to be the script supervisor on the prestige? Because the script supervisor's job <laughs> is continuity. to keep track of continuity. Can you imagine? Imagine, that reminds me of that story from Fight Club where the yeah. car flips over and he's like, you know, Edward Norton got out of the driver's passenger side, the yeah. driver's side. That's we should flip this shot and post. And David Fincher's like, I guess you haven't caught on. Yeah, but no, he'd be driving. Yeah, so, so it's like <laughs> being yeah. a script supervisor on this movie. So would let's be a pain just, I just want to I just want to sum up by going. Let's give a tip of the hat to the unsung hero Steve Gerke, the script supervisor on the Prestige. Because He's a producer, it, Hans Zimmer. Really? Imagine, yeah. imagine. Is that Hans Zimmer, the guy or the company? Imagine how many post-it notes Steve had in his script book. Oh about, Jesus! Okay, right. and his this outlook scene, was full. Yeah, and that's so. So yeah, it's it's a movie that I am in awe of in terms of not just that uh, you know it's a well-made movie, but how stunningly complex a movie it is and as again as all as filmmakers we all know that just telling a straightforward story is hard enough to tell a, st- yeah. a story that has more layers going on that you're trying to keep hidden from the audience but play fair with them by not making it be a total like bullshit reveal at the end i mean that's just it's phenomenally hard and i think you know again we're, we're quibbling about the tiniest of fine hairs about what what detail of this movie could or couldn't have been tweaked a little bit producers uh, wish to thank uh, the assistance of david copperfield interesting yeah. and shock yeah surprise surprise and, and obviously i bet ricky J had a little bit to do with things too you know hey ricky while you're on the set you know go talk to bail um <laughs> it's uh, you know it's not only is it a good movie but it's it's an impressive movie and as i think we started someone started by saying it's like i think this movie might be smarter than me and i, <laughs> yeah, I, I very that, rarely don't me. i don't usually get that feeling this has been Down in Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, and please, even more so, register on the forum and talk to us about what, what, what you've heard here, what you've seen here, and what movies you'd like us to do next. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at twitter.com slash downinfront, and also, respectively, Facebook slash downinfront. And until next time, for my friends, I am T. Christie. And I'm Brian Fenneter. Eddie Doty. And also Eddie Doty, but you just didn't realize it till the end. Oh, my God, the whole time? What? Oh, my God! And this has been Down in Front. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Good night. Good night. No, because he was because he was No, see what happened was oh halfway God. through. Nice touch. Halfway through what happened. What I did at the there, end there. There's no was, way that would have worked. So it's probably uh, um, electricity. <laughs> Trendsinyourhead.com.